Hello and welcome to Inner Gamer, episode 273. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is Brian Oski. And my name is Austin Morales. And this week on the Inner Gamer podcast, well, we thought video games were canceled, but guess what? We're back in business, baby. And in the gaming section, I talk about Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4, and then we kind of have a mini discussion about the future of Battlefield, and that would be Battlefield 6 that's coming next year, hopefully. And in the gaming news, we talk about the future of Destiny. We got a whole lineup for the next three years of Destiny 2, which is crazy. There's so much content to cover there. And then we also cover uh, some of the streams that happened on Saturday. Last Saturday, we had the Grill Collective highlights. We had highlight a bunch of indie games. And then we had the PC Gaming Show, which was cringy as usual, but much, much better than the last two years. And for our discussion topic, we dive into the PlayStation 5 reveal all the amazing games that are coming out that we're super hyped for. I mean, gosh darn it, I need to like take out a loan to get all these games. And of course, the console reveal. The big, the bad, the best in the game business. PlayStation 5 console. All right, let's get this party started. Cue that music. Welcome to It is June 16th, 2020. Welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This is an exciting podcast we got coming here. Mm-hmm. All to you live, but not really from the comfort of our living rooms or our bedrooms or our offices or our podcast room, wherever we might be. I want to let you all know that if you are a first time listener, we want to welcome you to this show. We consider you our friend. We don't know you yet, but we will know you. And you're our friend, and therefore, we like that you're listening to us. We make this podcast for our fans, and if you ever have any feedback, you can just give us a shout-out. Join our Discord channel in the show notes, or, you know, send us a message on Facebook or something. You know, we're, we're here. We're listening. We're ready to talk to you. And if you're a return visitor, thank you for coming back. If you want to make the show better, you can consider donating to us by going to our website at theinnergamer.net slash donate, or you can simply share this episode with a friend. And also, I want to mention, if you aren't aware of this yet, which you should be, but if you aren't, twitch.tv slash gamercast every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. Tune in and watch us as we adventure into mayhem against dungeons and creepy crawlies and ghosts and all kinds of things as we level up and build our loot in none other than Divinity Original Sin 2. It is a magical experience. And you definitely want to be there. We're getting closer and closer to Act 3. And we cannot wait! Mm. Austin, are you excited? Oh, heck yeah, man. I need it. Austin is a uh, ranger-like character. He shoots arrows. I'm the and, most uh, ranger of all rangers. He he spends five turns buffing himself, and then he has <laughs> one hit and just like kills a guy <laughs> yeah, with like pretty, one shot. It's pretty awesome, not gonna lie. It's pretty wild. And oh, yeah. um yeah, it's good stuff. Anyway, so we're going to talk about some video games today. Uh, we're changing this up a little bit this time around because there's so much news that happened last week. And uh, like we went from not any news to thinking that this week not having E3 would be really dull and boring. And then it turns out, no, it wasn't. It was really, really exciting and full of stuff. So we're going to open up talking a little bit about Battlefield. So this game segment is going to be a part of a Battlefield discussion and one part, uh, what is the next thing going to be for Battlefield? Because there's rumors of what Battlefield 6 is going to be that'll be coming out on next-gen consoles. Stay tuned for that. But first, I want to talk about Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4. Austin, you have downloaded and played these games recently. Tell me why. 
Well, so I watched a video about someone jumping back into Battlefield 3, and I was like, man, those were the good old days. Like, yeah. Shout out to Jack Frags. Yes, Jack Frags. Great guy. And I know we jump, we've we we've kind of fallen off of Battlefield Five right now, and but I for a while we liked it, but I know towards the end of our time with it, I was like, I'm really just sick of these old guns. Like, there's not a lot of attachments. Speak for yourself, Austin. I love it. I love it. All right, speaking for myself over here. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with Brett, but I just I like I wanted 5. something. I always talk about why I love Battlefield Four because of all the attachments and you know it's current or it's like modern times and. You know, there's a lot to do there, a lot of cool things, and I just I just really enjoyed my time at Battlefield 4, and so, you know, after watching this video, I was like, you know what, I'm jumping back into it. So I jumped back into Battlefield 3, I play a few multiplayer matches, surprisingly the servers are still going, like there's a decent amount, like you can find a server that is mostly populated, I had to wait for about 10 minutes before I can jump into one, but you know, it was fun, it was great, obviously it's dated, but... For the most part, it actually looks pretty good, especially on my uh, widescreen 4K monitor. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, jumping into Battlefield 4 is the same thing, like uh, a little more populated servers. And uh, I had a lot of fun jumping into that. I only played like two rounds in each. But for the most part, I was like, yeah, this is, uh, this is good. I, I need to put more time into it to really like be like, how dated are these games? <laughs> Because what I didn't realize back in the day, which is a minor, uh, you know, a minor thing for me, but you had to hold shift to run. There is no toggle. I was yeah. like, what? Why? Why is this a thing? <laughs> I hate it so much. My pinky finger does not does not know the stress it's been through in the past, and now it's getting PTSD. But that's the thing I hate about. There was a game I was playing the other day. It might have been Battlefield, actually. Oh no, it was Call of Duty. Where I don't think there's a toggle for uh, aim down sights for sniper. So I'm like sitting there trying to like, I'm really? camping a sniper forever wow. and I'm having to hold down with my right finger and I'm like, oh, this is annoying. I can't do this for this long. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Huh. Well, I know. Uh, then I eventually jumped into the stories of Battlefield. I tried, actually, I tried to jump into Battlefield 4. I played a little bit of it. Graphics still look pretty good the way it's laid out. Um, that ended up crashing on me. But Jumping into Battlefield 3 story, I was blown away with the graphics. Like, they almost look current gen. I mean, you can tell that there are certain areas and things that you look at. It's like, oh, yeah, this is definitely from back in the day. But, man, like, it is good. Like, it is 4K good. Like, I play it. If you haven't played it in a while and you have a 4K monitor, play it. You'd be impressed. Um, the way the things are laid out, the way the people talk, the way that everyone you know, the conversations and the actors talk to each other. Like I was, that was also very mind blowing, you know, think, you know, being, I don't know how long ago it was, but you would think it would be kind of not as good, but it still holds up in my opinion. So I went through a few missions and obviously the gameplay is a little dated, but man, the stories were good and detailed and thought out and there's a lot going on and there's, you know, there's espionage stuff and people have to break, uh, you know, traditional, barriers that they have with each other. Like apparently in Battlefield Three, you teamed up with a Russian spy who said, Hey, you gotta kill your soldier here because he's gonna take me in. And if you if he takes me in, then I can't complete my mission that's gonna benefit both Russia and America. And there's like a plot going on here. We gotta stop it. So you have to like, you know, technically portray your country in order to save the world. And it's just like, oh my gosh. I feel like we don't get that in these kind of games. And I'll relate it back to 
Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare because I jumped back into that too. And uh, that pacing is actually really good. And, you know, the story is actually pretty decent. Uh, I'm, I don't remember everything that happened. I mean, I had a good time with it the first go through, uh, but nothing really like stuck out as very impressive. You know, this is cool. That's cool. These people are really awesome. But, I mean, for the most part, it's a good experience. I think um, there are issues there with pacing and uh, mission layouts and stuff like that. But, yeah, I'm just I, – I, I, I'm ex- now I'm excited for Battlefield 6 because it's going to be in modern times. I believe it was confirmed, wasn't it? Uh, not officially, but it's all but confirmed. Gotcha. And so I, I just – I know we talked about, you know, they really don't need a campaign for Battlefield at this point, but I'm kind of curious to see what they would come up with because I feel like all these uh, all these campaigns get smaller and smaller and stuff, or shorter and shorter, and I don't think the, the campaigns for Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4 were, like, super long or anything, but I I really like what they do with it, and I think it adds a lot to... I think the last one was like five hours long. It was super short, which I think is totally fine for that Battle, kind of... Uh, Battlefield 5? Uh, four. four. Battlefield 5 didn't have a story. Oh, no, they did have a story. Yeah. Shit. I yeah, forgot they, they do. Mm-hmm. I didn't finish it. Um, yeah, I think Battlefield 5 was like six hours. But I know Battlefield 4 and 3, I think they were like four or five hour long experiences. They weren't very long. No, they weren't crazy long. But, I mean, a short amount of time, I think they did a good job with what they had. And, uh, yeah, I've had a good time with them, man. I, I'm trying to get everyone to download Battlefield 4 so we can jump back into some multiplayer and check it out. And now it's on Steam, which is just, like, even better. If you haven't if you haven't played it, now's a good time to go back and play it. And now that they're going to be on Steam, I assume the servers are going to be populated here for a short time. Yeah, I could see them definitely picking back up with all that stuff because they're, they're also not only are they back on Steam, but since they came back on Steam, they dropped the price of them. So you can pick up like Battlefield 4, I think, for like 20 bucks with the, all the expansions. And I oh, think it's yeah. like $10 for Battlefield 3. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of really good discounts going on with it. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I do miss those those games because Battlefield 3 and 4, I mean, I was looking when you were getting back into it, it reminded me of, oh, yeah, did you remember that you could you had to log in through the browser? I completely forgot about that. Oh, yeah, Battlefield um, 3. Battlefield 3, yeah, and all the things that they were trying to do that were a little bit different, like having the browser login, having the chat launcher from within Chrome, that was weird, but it was like just so interesting to see all the the things that they were trying to change up with that that era, and then now they've gone back to like a more traditional kind of experience, but then the games aren't the same as they used to be, and I was excited when they first announced that they were going to go back in time because I was kind of, ex- I mean, most not as much with Battlefield that this was a problem, but it was definitely a problem with um, Call of Duty is that they kept just getting more and more uh, out there with their game as they got more advanced in the future. And then once we went back to Battlefield 1, I was kind of, I hate the name, but I like going back to that era for a little bit. But that game didn't resonate with me as much as it did with a lot of, like some people say that Battlefield 1 is better than Battlefield 5. I disagree. But they they definitely had that mindset behind it. But I just felt like in that game, like you were talking about weapons in Battlefield Five. For me, Battlefield One weapons were just—I mean, they're all bad because it's Battlefield One and it's World War One, and guns weren't that great then. And it took them several years before they like developed them into what they became. And then um, Battlefield Five came out, and obviously had some rough patches at the beginning. But I grew to really love that game, and I still love that game. And I think it's it's definitely one of my favorite games to play right now um not as many people are playing it but i do love jumping into it and and playing it when we have the time but 
with all that said, I am excited because I remember when that game came out, World War III, um, that was an indie game that was basically trying to be like a Battlefield 3 and 4. Um, I did purchase it. I haven't played it yet, but I purchased it and was going to get into it. But I just want the the Battlefield developers to make these games because mm-hmm. they do so good with capitalizing on the Battlefield moments, the magic that comes into play in these these types of experiences. And um, I mean, I remember when they brought out Battlefield 3 and like they had the premium pass and everybody's pissed off when the premium pass came out because they're like, oh, now I got to pay $50 for another map. And everybody complained about it. Well, now we're like living in an age of microtransactions everywhere. So going back to a premium pass where you buy a game for 60 bucks, it gives you a single player campaign plus a multiplayer set of maps. And then you pay an extra $50 knowing you're going to get like four expansions is fine with me because I know what I'm committing to. I'm going to get like another 20 maps. Um, I liked knowing what those maps were going to look like. Like it was cool with Battlefield 5 where they slow dripped some of the updates but never really gave you a full perspective on what was coming. I liked with Battlefield 4, 3 and 4 of having, okay, you're about to get this next expansion pack. It's going to have these four maps focused on this kind of gameplay. Like when they brought the close quarters one, I was like, fuck yeah, we're going to get some like Call of Duty style close quarters maps in the Battlefield universe. Mm-hmm. And that stuff is really awesome. And I'm I'm... I'm kind of hoping they return to form with that, with uh, whatever this Battlefield Six becomes. Right. And yeah, so getting getting excited about it. Looking oh, yeah, forward man. to seeing what they can do. I'm ready to but, leave World War One and World War Two behind. Let's just let's just go forward. <laughs> We've did it. We brought that into the future. We got to see what those look like on next gen graphics, and now we can return to what I grew up with Battlefield with, which was start with Battlefield Two. So. Battlefield 6, here we go. So what would you, I mean, like, what are some things that you really want to see different? I mean, would, I mean, do you want to just see Battlefield 4 read and like basically redone and just brought back to us? Like, or are there things about that that you would, like, what specifically would you like to see advance or taken the next level? Because I think that was the thing between Battlefield 3 and 4 and why they switched is that between 3 and 4, it was a, it was an incremental upgrade, but it was like not, a huge difference between the two other than right. the addition of Levolution and then obviously a new set of maps right? and a few other adjustments to like the gameplay style but otherwise it was like and some people even consider Battlefield 4 to be a lesser game than Battlefield 3 um, which I think is argued just based on maps and stuff like that but I'm curious what you want to see for a new Battlefield set in modern times that would set it, set it apart from these games other than better graphics yeah I mean obviously I think if they have a story, I think that will set up, you know, what, where the maps are going to be set in and, you know, the area of the world and stuff like that. And uh, so, like, setting has a big part to do with it. And I, I was thinking, you know, maybe, I mean, have we, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, usually we go off of, like, obviously these are, like, fantasy stories. Like, these are things that have, it's just based on certain things or takes elements of real life and puts it into this. But I would like to see them, like, go to the, go for but I guess we kind of already done that because Battlefield 3 I, I didn't really know I mean it's based on a 2014 uh, wartime story is what I read and so I don't know I think going back to the 90s would be interesting but you could also go futuristic with that too like current like now but like maybe a little more tech like um, you know, have you ever, did you ever played Ghost Recon or Future Soldier yeah yeah maybe like that but Maybe take it back like Ghost Recon 2, I think, right? 
what was it, advanced soldier or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can even do that where it's just like a little more ahead of time, but that was even set in, you know, Iraq or Iran or something like, but somewhere in the Middle East as well. No, actually that was set in Mexico. That's right. Um, I don't know. So we could define a place, a time and place that people are familiar with and can be interesting and you can tell an interesting story. And then from there we can see really cool maps. Um, and then that would lead to, you know, I think if they just took what they have from Battlefield five already, like the layout of, well, not necessarily the layout, but like the movement of the characters or uh, the the players, some of the stuff from the guns and just tweak it to fit more now. And, you know, you can compare it to Modern Warfare, which has its own unique style of, you know, what's, you know, modern warfare and the gunplay and stuff like that and just make it more Battlefield-like. I think that might help it or help us, you know, just help bring us into that kind of feeling of the place and time we're t- uh, taking place in. Does that make sense? Kind of. So like where, where would we be like geographically? I mean, I think something like thinking? the Gulf War would be interesting to, to visit. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where that was. Oh, I have it pulled up here. I can tell you. Um, okay. Iraq. So, well, I mean, that's the same place as where the other games have taken place in yeah, Iraq, that's what Kuwait, I was Saudi Arabia. So, so not yeah. any different, really, setting-wise. It's just a different time period. Right. Okay. I mean, because the time period will determine, like, the kinds of guns that will be used and stuff like that. I mean, again, we can even push forward. Like, we still have, apparently, the, the war against uh, ISIS is still raging on right now, so that could be something interesting. We can even push that forward and make it, like, futuristic or, like, this is what happened between now and then or whatever, and... Uh, you know, we could see some cool techno- technological advances in the way that they put on with uh, attachments and stuff like that, radar or whatever. You know, maybe we can, I don't know. I, I'm trying not to get, like, too futuristic. There's awfully, obviously a balance. We don't want to go, like, super futuristic, like t- uh, 2142 or something like that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we do want to do that, but if we, we want them we to do. go all in with it. Right, right. If they were going to do 2142. But yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I like the idea of like when you're talking about the futuristic stuff, I think that could be really interesting. Cause I'm trying to figure out how to set itself apart from like three and four. And when you're talking Gulf War and like, you know, that kind of setting, like I feel like that's three and four. Like that's not any different yeah, other than, I mean, true. it's 10, it's the 10 years different. I mean, it's 20 years difference actually. But I feel like as far as technology goes, like it's not, I mean, I look at it and it, it doesn't seem vastly different other than, the fact that back then it was a more, little bit more of an organized, like you kind of knew who your enemy was. Mm-hmm. Whereas like more so, like I feel like the thing that defined like the 2000s era warfare that we had was largely a lot of guerrilla warfare. Like it was introduced in like the Gulf War, but then we really saw it in full force here where you had like women and children who would be like freaking suicide bombers out in the the freaking highways and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, if anybody had played Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, the most recent one, like that very much is in line with that kind of vibe of of uh, storytelling. And they really hit that home a little bit. But I, I would like to see them venture into a going, like what would it look like 10 years from now or 15 years from now? Like with all this, because I feel like, I don't remember what Call of Duty did it or somebody did this, but um, showcasing like technology that is in development now that's not 
yet here, right? But will right. be here. Um, so it's real. It's grounded and realistic to like modern day time, and we know it's in development, so we know it's coming. It's just not in in action yet. So like, I, mean, I could see, you know, more usage of drones. I could see different types of like, you know, thermal optics and like laser sight things that have some kind of like uh, tracking capability inside of the the optic. You know, that lets you, I don't know, detect weak points or some shit like that. I don't know. But little little slight advancements that have a little bit of a futuristic flair, but not so far that you're like climbing on walls and using jetpacks and, you know, that kind of stuff. Could be interesting. I mean, I don't I don't know, but that would give them a lot of because that's I think one thing that people were more or less kind of concerned about with five is that there I mean, how much customization do you put in it as far as like progression unlocks and stuff like that without it breaking the historical accuracy of the game. And if you're doing all this futuristic stuff, like I think you have a little bit more leeway in that because it's stuff that is speculative. Yeah. Um, and uh, could could use And I remember I was reading an article back in Wired magazine a long time ago about a gun that like you shoot it up uh, over top of a mountain or whatever or over top of a wall and it would explode. Like it, it was like a proximity one. So it detected heat. I think, oh, wow. and then whenever it would f- sense heat near it, it would explode on in, on that moment. So you could like shoot up over top of a wall and have it explode a shrapnel over top of a dead of, of a body below you or a person <laughs> below you Dang. because it detected that. So like you could get somebody behind a wall without having to shoot through the wall. Yeah, and yeah, yeah that's so be that cool. kind of technology would be really interesting to unlock and then to learn about, like learn about what not just like unlock it, but then know like what is the tactical advantages of this thing and have some information you can read about it. Right. Um, could be kind of interesting. Well, I think um, uh, story-wise, I, th- I think I know what they should do now. Because what? Modern Warfare story was set in 2019 and it's based on certain events that happened. I think, I think, what war was it? I don't know. There was a war, maybe if you, or not a war, but like some things that had happened if you, uh, no. maybe a decade ago, I can't remember, but they're bringing it like more into the future, obviously 2019 and stuff like that. And so I was like, Russians have kind of been like, Russians and Chinese have always been like the go-to enemies, right? And so right. Modern Warfare has done Russia and they're kind of done like this contained terrorist and they've used like obviously terrorism, which we've seen since 2001 and that kind of thing in Modern Warfare story. So what if we Battlefield 6 took that to the next step where we're, we're running into the conflict of potential World War Three with China and Russia and what that looks like on a global scale. Did you play Battlefield 4 story? Uh, I did play some Battlefield 4, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I was trying to get through that first mission, but I didn't get through all of it. And yeah, I don't was, remember what that, happened. That was what was interesting about Battlefield 4 is it, it centered around, it involved China into the, mm. the plot and there was oh, that's uh, right because you went to the Chinese place and yeah yeah so it was uh, they were escaping Azerbaijan and then they had intelligence about a military uprising in China so they they got some which I like that idea because I like that I like the I mean actually it could be pretty accurate right now I mean what if they did a whole freaking story about like the whole conspiracy of like you know China making some kind of uh, of you know uh, infection that like yeah. pandemic and it's like yeah sending the military to investigate Chinese, like a, a pandemic and like where it was from or something like that. It could be, could be interesting, but yeah. 
I'm trying to think of locations I'd like to go. Cause I, I really, I mean, honestly, I don't want to go back to the middle East. I feel like, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I love yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. of modern war, but like I've been there, done that thousands of times. And even in Battlefield One, felt like it was the Middle East half the time because you're in the desert everywhere. That's true. And I'd like to see. I mean, I, I don't know. I really just want them to go back to Battlefield Vietnam. So I feel like that was such a perfect <laughs> era because you had more modern guns. Like you had the M16. You had all these different things. You had the Huey helicopters that were really cool. Um, you had the freaking jungle warfare that was like badass because it was still open environments and stuff like that. But then it got really, really deep and close quarters and stuff. And there was just, there was so many things right in that era that were fun to, to play with. You had modern jets and stuff and it's just, it was a nice mix, but they won't do it. And I'm pissed off about yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe someday they'll go back and do it. Yeah. But I'm thinking of like, what, where could they go yeah. that would allow that kind of flexibility a little bit? Um, I mean, hell, maybe they do something with like South America. Like yeah. I've, I feel like we don't ever go to South America, but I mean, there's a lot of, what if it was some kind of like drug war or something like that, where it's like a, a war on, war on drugs and they're, they're, they're sending a special force, a special op operatives team down to like Brazil or some shit, or it's like across the country. Like there's some kind of, um, you know, global crime network thing of like drug smuggling that happens in like different key yeah. areas around the world. I don't know, yeah. make something up that right, right. could have some, some potential that would take you to a bunch of different locations. I mean, like yeah. one of them could take you to freaking Antarctica and then there's like a base in Antarctica that you have to fight bad guys in. That'd yeah. be sick. Well, there's a lot of real world things happening now. I think they could take and be like, what, what would happen if, and what would it look like? What would the world look like if this happened? And uh, I think they could piece together some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, definitely I think looking into the future, like yeah, like you said, like a decade from now or whatever would be interesting too with tech and you know, the world climate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different uh different pieces to go in um with all that. But yeah, I think I think a story, I mean it's interesting that we've talked so much about story and that that you're getting into the story part of it because I feel like the Battlefield three and four, like that was often neglected. And I agree with you though. Like I really enjoyed the three and four story. Like I played that first thing before I got in the game itself. And I thought, you know, I thought they did a good job. I mean, mm -hmm. they carried the two stories together and it was, the characters were interesting and it was a little bit more of a personal, like getting to know these people, which I think Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the new one kind of touched into a little bit what a battlefield did. Um, and, you know, got a little bit more personal with the, the individuals that you're playing as. Um, and I, I appreciated that about the, the story campaign that they produced. And I was bummed when, I mean, like Battlefield Hardline just kind of like destroyed the franchise for a little bit when they brought that out because it just wasn't great in any sense of the word. Yeah. And um, lost some some fame for people. And then they brought Battlefield 1 and then they just had this like marketing issue with like where is the Battlefield franchise going? What is it doing? But I I am excited that it looks like they are going back to this time and we may see some new new uh new situations and new new environments that we can explore and um new stories to tell so yeah should be should be good i mean yeah go if you haven't played battlefield 3 storyline or don't remember it go back and play it like that mission when you go i guess you're in like iraq at that point and you get out it's literally like the first mission and you're like going through you know the small corridors and stuff and you're trying to get from point a to point b and crossing streets and you're trying to be a little stealthy and stuff. I was like, man, this is intense. And it's not even like 
that great of a story right now. Like it just got going, but all I don't know. They did such a good job of making it feel tense in that time period, and uh, especially some of the things that happened later on. Like you're getting sniped from a building, and so you take cover, and the sniper's blowing stuff up around you, and you're just like, God dang! Like I don't want to die. And this is the banter from the characters, like. I don't know. We I feel like we don't get that anymore. And it's way different than a story told like Modern Warfare currently. And yeah. um I was just like, man, they could do some cool stuff with this. But yeah. I don't know. It's a different Dice was a different time back then than it is now, so I don't know exactly what creatives and how they want to like pursue stories going forward. So it could be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I would definitely imagine that they'll bring a story back into this one. Because I mean they they've they've done a story campaign for every battlefield game I feel like for the last six or seven years at least um, maybe more than that but I know three four one did one have a story it had a little bit of a story yeah it had or like did they take uh, it out? highlights or like little yeah like snippets of the history or whatever yeah which I thought was good I mean I thought they did a pretty good job with that yeah I thought no. Battlefield Five had some interesting stuff to it um, which I never I, finished all of I it, never even I, played I the campaign it. for that one. Oh seriously? Yeah, I never did. Yeah, it's worth playing. It's 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 actually really good. There's there's a couple of uh, good stealth moments in there that are are worth. Um, there's one mission where you're like a mother or like a a mother daughter kind of like 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 special forces team that's like invade like going into this like secured facility up in the mountains and the it was very very interesting from a tactical perspective like just having to navigate through these different parts and then the escape at the end was like really thrilling and exciting and there's just a lot of cool gameplay like diverse gameplay components to it i didn't feel like it got enough credit because it was it was really well done overall um some bugs in it but it was it's it's well worth playing and there's a lot of story to it which too which is you know surprising but good oh yeah so um yeah, so as far as like Call of Duty, you know, comparing it to Call of Duty and stuff like that, knowing that Call of Duty has kind of become a big powerhouse and like Battlefield 5 tried all these different pieces. They brought in Battle Royale and they brought in the story campaign and they brought in the game, like the main game itself that was, you know, solid. But I felt like their attempt at bringing in Battle Royale was a bad one. Like they tried and I didn't think oh, it was yeah. a bad Battle Royale. But then once other games came out like Apex Legends, for example, like they added in such new formulas to it that made it way more thrilling. And the Battle Royale and Firestorm also took forever to load, which I have no idea why that ever took so long to load, but it took forever to load. So if you died early, there was like no point in playing anymore because you were going to be waiting three minutes to get another game. So I I hope they stay away from that. Just focus on let's get a story campaign. Let's do some really badass multiplayer um, with a good like system to release new content that is going to be diverse types of content and um i'd love it if they even brought out like if they did like expansion packs like the premium pass kind of deal like if every single one of those also came with like one new story component mm-hmm. like you know telling of that like they maybe it's like thematic or something like that like you go to using Antarctica example you go to antarctica to do like a some kind of like a british raid there like the, you know some enemy has some kind of base held up there and they're doing research that is not good so you need to go invade and track down and find intel to figure out what they're doing so you go in there and do that with like single player levels to get through that story bit and then they have maps that are associated with that kind of thematic component and the new vehicles that come into play because now you're in like you know 
the snow. So you could have like freaking snowmobiles and really badass snow tanks or some shit like that. I don't know. I think that could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That does sound cool. Not gonna lie. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, what about gameplay? Anything you want to change to the gameplay component to this game? I mean, like what, what would really, I mean, they brought Levolution to the last one, which is really awesome. And I could see that kind of idea still sticking around. Oh yeah, they gotta have that for sure. Um, but um, I'll definitely see even more destruction because it's always nice to see the destruction in the game. Um, but I don't know if there's anything gameplay wise that I'd like to see super different. I would like to see them. I kind of want them to just get rid of all the. I feel like there was too much customization available in Battlefield Five. Um, yes. I don't know how you felt about that. Yes, I, I was. It was just a pain looking through all that stuff. Like not only, <laughs> not only did could you change out all like certain attachments, um, which I felt like most attachments sucked. Uh, you could change out the skins. You could change out the skins for each attachment. You could, you can. They had the you know each each um, gun could level up. You know certain perks to make it either like more accurate or have better hip fire, stuff like that. And it was just like, oh, my gosh. There's the menus and the menus within menus. And it's just, it's killing me, man. And I, you go back to Battlefield 3, Battlefield 4, like, it's just, <laughs> you pick a few attachments and a skin, and that's it. Like, it's all there, laid out, one menu, easy to access, boom, done, go. Are you still unlocking the attachments, or are they already unlocked? For what? Which one? For the guns, for either Battlefield 3 or 4. Uh, I think some I am, and most I have. Yeah, because wasn't it where, like, didn't they have a progression, like a ranking, like you ranked up, and then you also had a specific level rank for your character? Do they still have that in 3 and 4, I was, or did they get rid of it? I wasn't even looking at that. What are you looking at in this game, man? Did you play it? What, Battlefield <laughs> 3 and 4? Yes. Yeah, I was in there, but I wasn't looking at, like, I don't remember what the progression system was back then. It's been so long. Well, I mean, you just played it though, like just now. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was re- relating to because I figured it was like fresh on your mind having just jumped into it. I mean, I I, that, I looked at like switching out guns and some attachments, but I didn't see like I didn't see like a, a gun level or you know I wasn't paying attention to my level. I was just going in there to shoot people. But I mean, there wasn't anything that was like blocked off or anything like that that you couldn't access. Uh, yeah, there was a few. There was like two guns of my sniper class for. Battlefield 4 that I didn't have access to yet. Okay. Yeah. So it probably is a leveling system to the class. Yeah, then. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's how, yeah, that's like, that's how it was. Okay, yeah. Because that's what I was curious about. I was like, what did they have you. there that they didn't have with the new one? Because like, the new one, you know, you had a leveling system, your character level, you had your class level, and then you had leveling for your guns, and then you had attachment unlocks and stuff like that. So you had like four or five different tiers of like unlockable stuff. And I, I, I thought Battlefield 3 and 4, specifically more 4, I think, because I think there was differences between leveling and those two. But I think 4 had like a ranking system, like global progression that unlocked st- something. I forgot what unlocked. But then you had your class level that unlocked your guns and your accessories and stuff like that. So like as long as you were playing, you played Medic, like you would unlock any guns attached to the Medic, any accessories attached to the Medic, and level that up to like level 20 or whatever. But then there was no gun level progression of any kind, which was good to not have that, if I remember correctly. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, something like that. I mean, okay. either way, I think they did a good job with it back then, from what I can remember. It just seemed, it was just a natural progression. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I just want to want to get a little bit deeper into the yeah. some of that stuff because there's so many nuanced differences between four and five that can be gleaned. Like how I mean, because there's you have you had a progression system there, and then in five you have a progression system too that's more. And then like, do we want to go back to four? Do we want to go before four? Do we want to have an in between four and five? Like, what kind of like what would feel good for this type of progression that made you feel like you're progress, like you're getting value for playing the game more and more, or do we even need any of that? Do we just like cut it all out? And like all the guns are available right at the beginning of the game, and then you just play the game, and then just the fact of playing it is all you want. Yeah, I mean that would be great, but I highly doubt they do that. <laughs> well, I'm not saying uh, like will they do it. I'm just saying like generally, like what would gotcha. you want to see in that kind of. Well, it'll probably like, be the way Ford's laid out because the more you play one one class, the more you rank it up, and I like that because you know usually in Battlefield Four, I was a medic most of the time, so I ranked that up pretty high and had a lot of attachments and stuff for that. And I really <clears throat> that's the one I like really focused on, and then it's like, oh, well, I need to focus on this other one so I could switch over to that, you know, and do that yeah. for a little bit. And um, but I guess if you look at Modern Warfare. Obviously, they don't have a class system, so I don't know if it would translate as much. But I, I do like it where it's like, you know, each gun has its own. Like, the more you use a gun, the the more you can unlock some stuff for it. I guess it has a level, doesn't it, technically? Yeah, I mean, that's it's the same system as Battlefield Five. So, if yeah. You, yeah, it's just the way they present it is different. But I yeah, don't want I them guess, to do that. I think I think Call yeah. of Duty and Battlefield Five both, like, overkilled it with... The gun cut. I mean, I like the ability to, when I open, like I like the gunsmith and being able to open up my my gun menu and being able to customize all the different like attachments and grips and this and that. But I want to have to sit there per gun and unlock a attachment specific to that gun for every single freaking gun in the game. Yeah, that's way too frustrating. Yeah, um, to might, have to go through all that. Yeah, that might be better suited for Call of Duty since there's no actual, uh. You know, you don't have different classes, but Battlefield, yeah, I think it should be set for cl- each class. Yeah, because yeah. if you had to do like, okay, I'm leveling up my class, but then I'm leveling up my gun in my class, so I have to play my class and my gun to get all the stuff. Yeah, that's just too much. Yeah, yeah. There's too many tiers of stuff. Yeah. The one thing I like about, uh, not not to give any huge credit to Breakpoint, but one thing in Breakpoint <laughs> that they do do nicely is that attachments are independent of your uh, your weapon. So if you buy, like if they're based on a category. So if you have a sniper rifle, you can buy a sniper rifle extended mag. You can buy a sniper rifle, uh, you know, uh, uh, grip. You can buy a sniper rifle uh, optics. And those things, regardless of the weapon they're using in the sniper class, those attachments all are interchangeable for that class um, or for that type of gun. So I, I like that because there's still a little bit of diversity in like the types of, because you can get an angled foregrip, you can get a straight foregrip, you can get those different types of things that have different pros and cons of each attachment. But it's not like this attachment is specific to this gun, which is how Battlefield Five is. And I absolutely don't like that. Um I'd like them to go back to just give me some attachments that I unlock. I think the attachments should be, I think Battlefield 4 was set up this way. The attachments were unlocked based off your global progression. Like as you reach like level 50, like you unlocked an attachment that can be used on any gun, assuming it, it was compatible with that gun. Um, that would make sense. So. Yeah, I think so. 
Anyway. Yeah, there's just a lot of things they could do (laughs) to make this game. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I always talk about Battlefield 4 being my favorite one so far. And I, I guess if they just brought that forward and changed a few things, I guess I'd be pretty happy with it. So it played like current gen stuff and had the fluidity of gameplay and gunplay. Yeah. But to be specific, though, you don't want any of the modern as much the modern because, I mean, if we brought it to current gen, that would also include the progression systems that are super detailed, the microtransactions, well, I mean, yeah. the unlockable well, like skins, and stuff like that. So, what Battlefield 4 has already and just, you know, give that gameplay, gunplay better fluidity. Yeah. Than what, yeah. Because, I mean, it's definitely a little, it's it's pretty, it, I mean, it's still pretty nice, back, like what it has now in terms of gameplay, gunplay, but it definitely, um, definitely could be tweaked. And some of the like, you know, aiming down sights are using the ACOG. It just, it's so weird now because you see, uh, you see like a little bit of what's around you from the scope. Yeah, and it's a little jarring compared to like these days. But I guess some of that, some of it, some of it's like that. But yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of minor tweaks, I guess. But again, like I want to jump into more and experience some more of it, and you know, get a get a full opinion. I just, yeah, sucks. I was having issues with Battlefield Four. Yeah, cool. Well, we'll have to come back to this because I want to jump into it and oh, play yeah. more. I'd like to dive more into this, like just compare and contrast scenario of the two, but mm-hmm. with some more inf- inside information on it because I think I would like to see more about, like, I mean, what specifically do we want from this? I mean, just another Battlefield 4 isn't really the right answer. It's like, what pieces do we want to get out of it that, like, what are the thing, the actual actionable pieces that came from Battlefield 4 that we want to see translate over here? And what are some things that are just new to this franchise that we've never seen before um, that we'd like to see come into play in some capacity? Um, I'd like to dig into that that concept a little bit more. But a lot of that will come down to once we start getting information about it. Because like once mm-hmm. we have a setting, we can start playing with the idea of like, okay, well, what about this? What about that? But I, I definitely think the futuristic kind of t- like touch of futuristic stuff could be an interesting element that changes it up a little bit giving us some like you know some drones that we can use with different things or like a drone that can shoot for you um in some capacity but not based off of like kill streaks or anything like that it can be just an attachment for a type of class um yeah or like if they had a a heal drone that as if you're a medic like one of the upgrades you can get is either a medic box that you throw down or it's a drone that can go out and like do a one-time heal for your teammate for you like that could be kind of an interesting concept that's a little bit more futuristic and technologically advanced all right well that's gonna wrap it up for the games we played slash discussion on battlefield futuristic stuff so uh if you guys want to play games this each and every week you can join us on our discord channel you can check out that link in the show notes also if you like what you hear please consider leaving this review on apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend stay tuned we'll be right back for our video game news Have you ever found yourself on your way to a friend's house for a LAN party or a con-like dream hack with no easy way to transport your gear? It's heavy, it's complicated, and you have to deal with about five minutes of parking restrictions. Thanks to our new sponsor, Crazy Pro Gear, you don't have to worry about that. They have an awesome pro-level backpack that can hold any mid-sized tower or smaller, your accessories, peripherals, and everything except your monitor. We used it at QuakeCon 2019, and it was a game changer. You can also use it for board games, video game consoles, and game sticks, and more to make travel to the next convention or friend's house as simple as throwing on your backpack. Head over to theinnergamer.net slash crazy, that is C-R-A-Z-Z-I-E, to purchase gear for your next event. A portion of the proceeds go back to us to support The Inner Gamer. We'll see you at the next con. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. 
time for video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the game industry. And if you ever want to contribute to next week's episode, you can just quickly send us a question or comment at hellotheinnergamer.net and let us know, and we might just talk about it on the show next week. Uh, this week, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, there's a lot been happening, a lot more than we thought would happen. And the first thing we're going to open up with is Destiny 2 updates. Destiny 2 had a very, very big uh, presentation on June 9th last week. And in it, they revealed a lot of new content and information that is coming to Destiny. Uh, as we all know, they are no longer attached to Activision anymore. They went solo, so they are completely 100% funded by themselves. And with that, there's been a lot of really interesting, exciting things coming from this uh, new development now that Bungie is solo business, independent developer. And um, they they just gave a lot of stuff. And one thing I really appreciate about the stream that they did was they they emphasize how important it was for them to showcase that Destiny's not going anywhere for a long time. Uh, so if you're interested in Destiny, like you play it now, you're basically going to be part of this ecosystem for a while, and you ain't going to be able to let it go. <laughs> and that's great. Not only that. But they really drove home in this whole entire bit here that they finally achieved the ability to, which they couldn't have done, I don't think, with Activision, but they can now, where you're no longer tied to a console system with ever again, ever. Um, even when the new consoles come out, your Destiny 2 character and ecosystem and progression and all the things carries with you no matter where you are. So whether you're on PC, whether you're on PS4, whether you're on Xbox One, PS5, Xbox Series X, all that stuff, it's going to come with you. And all of your leveling, upgrades, attachments, all the things, all the progression, all that stuff is going to be there. And uh, that's really exciting. I like that that's, that's how it is now. You know, it's your it's your account that's tied to your thing. And it remains cross-play across all all of the systems and that is also really exciting so there's a lot of really cool things coming from this but the the first thing we want to dive into is the big expansion that they dropped and the expansion is called destiny 2 beyond light and we're going to see it september 22nd and this also is going to kick off year four of destiny 2 which will come with four more seasons of content uh which is also largely insane and um, they're going to take us to a new planet called Europa, which is the planet of Jupiter or the Mar the moon of Jupiter. And uh, you and Eris Morn, the Drifter and the Exo Stranger will be working to overcome a new fallen antagonist called Aramis, the Kell of Darkness. Uh, Europa is also home to a new raid in the Deep Stone Crypt. Beyond Light will also choose Stasis, a new energy type fueled by the darkness, which will add new subclasses for all main classes. And it looks really interesting i mean I'm, I'm curious to see about the story but i mean also i want to hear what your thoughts are on just just on beyond light specifically like what do you think about this new update and this new planet that we're going to uh i'm excited <clears throat> um all of this has really got me pumped to kind of revisit destiny and you know the the um uh what's her name that i forgot her name but the main i guess protagonist in this who we saw on Destiny One has returned and is like, "Hey, something's going down." And Eris Morn, it's big, it's bad. And no, er, no Eris Morn is uh, one of the other. Uh, it's the Exo Stranger. That's what it is. Oh, um, okay, yeah, she's you know something being bad it happened in this last uh, story that came out has now come to an end. Um, like I'm excited, man. 
I'm not like super pumped, but I'm more excited that the way Destiny is or Bungie's handling Destiny now. Like obviously before when Destiny One came out, it was all like, hey, you know, there's just like MMO FPS type game and it's gonna be awesome and you have all these planets you can go to and explore and you know, everyone's like, Oh, freaking Halo and stuff like that and then, you know, when it comes out it's like not not exactly what everyone expected. And <clears throat> I mean, obviously the way that everything was laid out or the way that the the game um uh, the game systems and stuff, how it came together with the the platform, it just it just wasn't working out. But with this, seeing all like what's happening here, and then like 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 they said, they don't want Destiny to be like this thousand gigabyte game that you have to install in order to play. And I like that they're kind of going to switch some of the stuff out and allow us to play content and keep it at man- manageable size. It allows us to kind of experience these stories, but take out all the fluff that no one really likes. And yeah, I think the way that they've entered us with this story going forward and laying it all out is just fantastic. Uh, I think this is what they want to do from the get go. And I'm curious to see how it actually pans out and like what things get taken away and what things are actually there and what people end up enjoying. And, you know, maybe this turns out to be, you know, a bigger, better destiny than we ever could hope for. And maybe yeah. it gets me excited to really jump in and grind through some of the stuff. Because I think that that that's the biggest thing is the way that they had uh, a lot of these stories and game mechanics lined out and that repetition of gameplay uh, can get boring after a while or stale. And maybe now they'll be able to keep everything that's actually worth playing in Destiny. And they don't have, you know, obviously someone talking over their shoulders being like, hey, we got to make some money. <laughs> yeah. And I still think there's definitely potential for it to to kind of get stale just because we're still revisiting a lot of the same right. things that we're familiar with. But what what I like about it is that there is I mean they're they've committed to um well so beyond 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 light, which is the next expansion that's coming out, they've announced their next three expansions for the next three years. So uh that's that's what's what's got me really jazzed about it, is that they're not they're setting up the course of the next three years of the destiny game, which is huge because we're not just tied to knowing that, Hey, this is what we're going to get. And we don't know what have any excitement for the other stuff, but they, they, they let us know like, Hey, there's going to be some big, big pieces coming. So, and, uh, after beyond light comes out in 2021, we're going to get a new expansion called the witch queen. And, uh, they didn't reveal what that is necessarily, but it's a whole new set of content pieces that are going to come and come together. And it's going to all come to a head as the closing to this trilogy in 2022 with a expansion called Lightfall. And um, it's the first time that they've ever said, Hey, look at, we have multiple expansions coming out. Here's their names. Here's their art and uh, prepare yourself for it. So this is showing some commitment here that they've, I mean, they've committed to two years, like three years worth of content releases and they got to deliver on it. And I, I definitely think they will because they don't seem to be the type of people that's going to, you know, say something like not release it for forever but i'm i'm glad that they have like these ideas laid out for this content and what it can be and like you were saying like them bringing back other other stuff they have this thing now called the destiny content vault which is going to not only reintroduce it's going to start cutting out some of the fluff but also reintroduce some things from the entire history of destiny 
So it's going to be a, a system of content rotation, essentially, that will um, remove old underplayed content from Destiny 2 and replace it with new content, from, both from the expansions, the seasons, and from Destiny 1. So not only are you going to get to see Destiny 2 content, but you're going to see, um, like starting in September, you're going to see the Cosmodrome. Uh, come back and the Vault of Glass raid will return in year four as well. So you'll be able to go back and play this content from the entirety of Destiny. And not only is it going to be back, but I think it's going to be upgraded as well. So if it's yeah. like there's some adjustments to it, they're going to modify that that content to make sure it you know hits hits well. And I thought the Vault of Glass raid was awesome. So seeing this stuff like return in some capacity and rotate through, I think will kind of keep things fresh for a little bit. Um, make it make it a lot more like give you reason to keep logging on all the time because you're like oh yeah i remember this thing this is really fun i want to go back and play this for for old time's sake yeah and i think having the three year um like i I, technically it's going to be a you know hopefully a three-year story arc where all these kind of tie together and you can have kind of it is yeah a marvel-esque uh build up and you know completion at the end and have something really awesome happen and you know now that that Bungie's left their own devices so now we get to see the true form of what destiny can be hopefully yeah and that gets me pumped because honestly the story so far has been like okay there's some cool moments it's kind of just normal tropes of like you know good guy bad guy obviously to the most extreme pure black and white and Maybe now we can start seeing them expand those stories, those characters into something meaningful that people can get behind. And there's a little more shades of gray and it's not just so straightforward. Um, and that's something I've been waiting for since the beginning. Uh, so I think now now we'll see. Now we will yeah. see. Now we can start judging <laughs> Bungie and Destiny on their own merits and we'll tell you if it's worth even jump back into. <laughs> will there be a future for Destiny after three years? Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. Well, I don't I mean, know if we'll continue we, playing it, but yeah. I mean, we have that video; those videos that we released back whenever uh, Shadowfall was that the last expansion? Yeah, Shadowfall. Yeah, or Shadow, when that Shadow came Keep, out, we Shadow were like, Keep. we or Shadowkeep. Yeah, we brought out a, a couple of YouTube videos that were like, "Is Des- Destiny worth returning to?" Um, at that time, and uh, I think the consensus was it was mm-hmm. um, to jump back into it. So now with this stuff com- coming out, like there's there's a lot of. Uh, there's just a lot of things to to have reason to lo- at least log into it. I mean, it's meant to be a living game. Um, it's very much an MMO now. I feel like. I mean, it's definitely kind of hit that hit that mark in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, there there will be reasons to to come back to it. Another thing I want to mention real quick is that they they also even unleashed. I f- almost forgot about this, but they announced with season eleven, the season of arrivals. Um, they have a surprise dungeon coming out called the Prophecy, which looked fucking awesome yeah like, crazy it was just weird trippy like i felt like i was in a, like somebody took acid and like made this level or this <laughs> this dungeon space yeah. or whatever but oh, it was yeah. just like lots of weird um i mean i it almost felt like a little bit of mirror's edge but a little bit of control and a little like there's a bunch of weird pieces of platforms and flippy floppy stuff and just colors and all these things and it's going to be just available to everybody including new light only users um starting on june 9th and then um, they're also announced that for PS5 and Xbox Series X, uh, it is confirmed that this next gen will run at 4K 60 frames per second, um, and it'll that's a free upgrade for people if they have PS4 and Xbox One. So if you have a PS4 and you get a PS5, 
you automatically are going to get your 4K 60 FPS out of the box when you turn on Destiny on PS5. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Not yeah. Lie. So a lot of things to to be excited about if you're a Destiny fan. Um, and uh, I could see myself jumping back into it again. I feel like we've jumped back into it like five <laughs> times now. Yeah, something like <coughs> that. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's just, so, again, like, they have great gameplay and gunplay, man. It's just hard to get around it. But, yeah, it's just it's just that loot grind and, and the the cycle of killing and looting and stuff like that can get a little stale. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It might be one of those things we jump into once a year or something like that. Yeah. Every time a new content drop comes out, play yeah. through it and yeah. experience it. Yeah. yeah. Still I, mean, I like I like the lore and the world that they're building now. I mean, it took them a while to get there, but I I mean, I bought those two encyclopedia books that they released that has a lot of cool insider information into the story and the characters and the worlds that they've established. And it just I mean, there there's a lot here. I mean, we we didn't give them enough credit. I mean, we there was well deserved uh, not enough credit back in Destiny One because it just wasn't clear what they were where they were going with stuff. But now they've they've kind of fixed some of the the holes that were in the the story and it's still weird that you have like the darkness and stuff like that. But broadly speaking, like there is, there is a really fascinating world to be explored here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, backstory and stuff like that. That's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. So good stuff, destiny. Good stuff. Anyway, uh, Austin. So today we're recording this on Saturday, June 13th. You're going to listen to this podcast on June 16th. Um, there was a lot of stuff that happened today. Um, stuff that's still actually happening because we're actually recording during another convention or conference is about to start here in three minutes. But uh, we're going to talk about that next week because it was just too much to talk about all this week. But one of the things that I do want to talk about is the Gorilla Collective uh, online festival that they announced that is being hosted by Kind of Funny and Media Indie Exchange combined. So they basically, Media Indie Exchange, which is always at E3, they have a big, huge event where they showcase indie games outside of E3 to come and show off their work. And then Kind of Funny, who usually does a Kind of Funny game showcase, decided let's just like merge together. And then they formed the Gorilla Collective. And that is what is happening right now. So this is a three-day digital event that kicked off today. And it's going to continue to go on tomorrow and then on the next day. So there's going to be new announcements, updates, and reveals and stuff tomorrow. And then on the last day, they're going to do, do like a deeper dive into a lot of this content that they've talked about the last two days and in-depth interviews and things of that nature. So that's it's a pretty cool thing that they're doing. And um, they kicked it off with a big event this morning that was like an hour and a half long almost and had some pretty interesting things in there that I wanted to to dive through. And this is this is definitely... They didn't really describe what this was. They just said there's going to be new games and announcements, and they showed some of the publishers that were attached to the project. And Gorilla Collective, basically, when it all comes down to it, this is an indie game showcase. Um, it's all indie games, pretty much. Um, and that with that, I mean, I'm kind of glad because it's stuff that you'd normally wouldn't see in a big PlayStation announcement premiere or Xbox premiere or whatever. So, um, yeah, I guess we can run through the list here of some some highlights that were there. Um, cause there was a lot of repeat kind of content and there was also a lot of stuff that was kind of like, eh, this is okay. But a few things stuck out to me, um, through the process of this showcase. One of those is a game called, uh, well, I don't know if I like this game or if I didn't like it, but the presentation was 
like the trailer was really interesting and the game is called Almighty Kill Your Gods. And the trailer was really interesting. And then they showed gameplay. And I was like, this looks like a free to play game. And I was a little concerned about it. But then as they got into it a little more, I was like, you know what? This could be kind of fun if it's like co-op for players and then we can all play together and upgrade and unlock stuff and fight a bunch of gods with demons and monsters and stuff like that. Um, and it is four player co-op. So I was I was intrigued, but not like super, super hyped on it. But it looks very different and interesting. So if you're interested in something where you get to run around and kill gods and have an action RPG slasher kind of crazy game, uh, look up Almighty Kill Your Gods. Oh, yeah, it does look <laughs> kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, there was a, uh, I mean, there's just a, a bunch of different types of stuff. There's one called uh, Roki. That's like a dark fairy tale. And that just had a really unique looking art style to it. Um, a lot of like narrative components and puzzles, exploration, stuff like that. It was very kind of calming, um, but that was, but also dark. So it was a weird, weird kind of showcase. But one that really stood out to me that I liked a lot was a Gen- Genesis Noir. Um, Austin, did you catch this by chance? I did not. <clears throat> I don't yeah. think. I'm looking at the lineup here and I was like, I don't remember any of these games. Yeah. I came a little later, uh, so. Yeah. Uh, Genesis Noir is, it was an interesting one because while they were showing it, they also had the developers Skyping in separately talking about the game. And the developers are hilarious because they do not look like two people that would have made a game that was so beautiful and stylistic as this. Because one, his hair was not quite like groomed properly. So he was wearing a hat and he had like this massive stick of hair that was sticking out one side. And it's like he never didn't even bother to comb his hair and he's in his kitchen and the kitchen behind him is just like filthy. There's just shit everywhere. (laughs) They show the other guy who's behind a white wall or in front of a white wall and he's got curly hair that's like all over the place and he was just super just monotone and tonality and uh, (laughs) it was just funny seeing them talk about this game and you're watching and you're like, oh my gosh, this game is amazing looking. And it's just full of it's it's set before, during, and after the Big Bang, and uh, you explore black holes, uh, primordial or Earth, and jazz arcade or jazz cades. Um, so you just go all over the place, and it's really like crazy, wild story. But just like the art and the noir kind of look to it is is fascinating, and the music was really really good. And it's just something that I think everybody should have on the radar because. Um, it's coming to Windows, Mac, and Xbox One, and I think it's going to be one of those indie darlings that uh, will be really worth playing. Very interesting. So, Genesis yeah. Noir. Mm-hmm. Huh. Genesis Noir. There was a bunch of card builders, like deck builder games, which I was frustrated by. I was like, they need to stop showing these. One game that I was really, really impressed by is a game called A Juggler's Tale. And it follows a character named Abby, who is an artist that's held captive at a circus. And then in the daytime, she's entertaining families and kids of all ages. But at night, she's stuck in a cage, dreaming of freedom. One day, she escapes and has a chance to find what she's been fighting so long for. So that's the synopsis of it. Uh, But she finds out how dangerous the world outside is. And it takes place in a war-torn medieval fantasy world that sees Abby surrounded by ravaged, uh, starving citizens and hunted by the relentless cutthroat Tonda. Um, so really weird, interesting kind of like, you know, background. But what I thought was amazing about this game is the 
the visuals this in it were incredible. Like you're basically your character is like kind of a puppet. She's attached to by strings that are up above her. And then as she's traveling through like the, the, the environments are gorgeous. The lighting is incredible. I mean, I just was captivated by the art style in this game. It looks really, really good. And the whole string component to it with her, like basically being controlled by somebody, um, AKU yeah. was, was really, really interesting. Um, and I, I mean, it reminds me of limbo and like a little bit of limbo, maybe a little bit of Ori, um, more so on the limbo side, but I think this is definitely a game to look, look out and watch for. Yeah, that's cool. Like that, that's very interesting to have the make it seem like someone's controlling her with strings, which I, I yeah. I'm curious to see what all those animations look like from like jumping and running and stuff like that, hiding, or there's yeah, a crouch yeah. or something. Well, it was cool too because like that's a gameplay mechanic as well because the strings like if you're trying to go underneath the like a like a hanging something you can't because your string will get stuck. Yeah, and you can't move forward. So I was like, "Well, that's that's a cool gameplay element to figure out. Okay, now how do I get over this thing? Because of you know, I can't move forward. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, another well, game that was well, yeah, yeah. There, there's one that I was really excited about. Um, it's called Boyfriend Dungeon. Oh, you're excited about this? No, I'm not excited about this. This <laughs> looks ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was fixing to jump onto that one because that was, yeah. I mean, what? Tell me, what were your thoughts on it? No, like, I, I I just look at the trailer now. I didn't see this one, but it looks hilarious. Boyfriend Dungeon is a dungeon crawling experience that sets itself apart by having your weapons transform into a host of potential boyfriends. Yeah, it was when I saw this trailer, <laughs> I was I was about to, I was losing my shit because you have this woman who's narrating it. She's one of the creators of the game, and she's like, "Yeah, this is a dungeon crawler where you go in and fight bad guys, and then you upgrade your weapons, and then when you upgrade your weapons, not only that, but you can make you can uh, romance your weapons." I'm like, "Romance your weapons? What the heck are you smoking right now?" <laughs> and then they transition to your you get your weapon, you're all excited, and you go to upgrade it, and then it personifies the weapon as like a uh, dude with his shirt off. And then you like have to make make romance interactions and it becomes a dating sim. And then you go back and like the the dating the person transforms back into a weapon and you go and kill bad guys. And then as you kill bad guys, you in order to level up your weapon, you have to make better connections and romance connections with your weapon. I'm like, are you why? Like and then she's like, if this is a game that you would like and want to play, go on Steam and wishlist it. I'm like I don't <laughs> at all. I could just no. Uh, I mean, the graphics or not the graphics, but like the 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 art looks pretty pretty decent. Yeah, there are art's not bad. I mean, the the game's probably. I'm sure there's gonna be people out there that are gonna love this game. Like, I feel like um, I I'm sure there's a fan base out there for it, but I'm just not that fan base. Like, I don't want to make love with my weapons. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, what? I mean, you're gonna cut. You're gonna cut yourself. You know, like. You freaking start kissing no, him. You're gonna it's like the spirit in the list of the weapon that comes out and becomes an actual person thing. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was a weird one. Um, did you see the uh, the trailer for Lake? Uh, I just saw it now. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I first saw this, I was like, "Oh, is this like a game where you're simulating Amazon delivery drivers?" And then <laughs> That's what it looked like. I, yeah, and then as I read into it, but then after a while, like I got further into the trailer, I was like, okay, 
I could, I, this is kind of like a walking, like Alan Wakey walking simulator without like the, the demons and evil people. But, um, you play this like older woman who's in 1986 and, um, definitely walking simulator. It's an organ. Um, she's, uh, filling in for her dad, a mail carrier. And, uh, you have a ton of choice interactions with other people as you're delivering mail. And, uh, it's just very much story driven kind of game scenario. Lots of driving. It seems like from point, like point to point, um, and then delivering mail to people and talking to them. And, uh, I would never find this game fascinating, but when I was walking the watching the trailer, I was kind of like, okay, this could be kind of therapeutic. Maybe, I don't know, maybe in a weird way. So very weird. Um, yeah, Lake. Yep. Should we move on to the other one? Maybe. Uh, we can. I had some more I was going to talk about, but okay. I can skip it if you want to. Yeah. I mean, if you um, want to summar- summarize it all up really quick, we're pretty okay. we're pretty well, deep into the segment. It. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I know there's a lot of um, games in this in this part too, so it's just yeah. like, oh goodness well, gracious. Well, the only one I want to talk about real quick. Oh, there's, there's two more I want to want to run through, and then we can skip it. The rest of it. Um, Baldur's Gate three. They showcase a trailer. Uh, one of the big things about Baldur's Gate 3 that's really exciting about this is that uh, it's going to enter early access in August 2020. So you'll be able to play this in August 2020, maybe, assuming they get it all done because they're having trouble with some voice acting stuff right now because of, you know, or motion capture because of uh, the, the stuff happening with COVID. But they are working on getting it done and having it out for release in August 2020. So I was like, fuck yeah, count me in. Yeah. Um, the other one is, uh, I want to talk about West of Dead for a quick second. Just look up West of Dead. It's a dark Western, awesome art style. It's like a top-down kind of uh, uh, shooter. It's a Western shooter, which uh, there's a lot of Western shooters for whatever reason. But it looks really, really good and has a badass-looking just visual style to it. And I think it's going to be worth jumping into. And um, the last one I wanted to talk about here is a game that was at the very end that I don't understand what they were trying to do with it, but it just cracked me up. And it opened up with Hideo Kojima, please unblock my number. And then you have crabs that are dead on the beach. And it looks like the opening to the Death Stranding trailer, the first one they showcase with like dead things everywhere. And you just like pan across the ground and then you see a crab that's got a knife in its hand. So clearly that crab killed all the crabs around it. And then you go a little bit further and you just see more dead bodies. And then there's like a dead like, like whale on the on the side of the whatever and then it's like something looks like a sausage or some crap like that and then a naked old man um straight up naked you know they censored his butt but he was there lying naked on the floor and uh then he stands up and grabs the thing and holds it and clutches it in his hands and then disappears and then it pans away and then showcases what's behind him, which is this massive, massive city. So it's like all these dead things on the beach. And then behind him is this massive city. And then it pops up with a game called Just Die Already. And it's uh, an old man mayhem simulator or some shit like that. <laughs> and, I mean, they basically were just like, let's make a parody of Death Stranding. And <laughs> it was so fucked up. Mayhem stunt sandbox filled with fragile old people. From the designers of Goat Simulator. Oh, it makes perfect sense now. Goat Simulator guys did it. Okay. Now I understand it all. Makes sense. Wow. <laughs> oh, this looks great. We're Highly the, recommend checking that one out. Yeah, I was like, we're at the play, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Hopefully oh, yeah. it's Hope it's co-op. Yeah, seriously. 
Um, so anyway, that's a Gorilla Collective. Uh, lots of games. Uh, just look up the uh, just look up Gorilla Collective to see all the other trailers that came out. There was probably like 50, 45, 50 games that they showcased at some capacity or another. So it was pretty cool. Um, and hopefully we'll see some more exciting stuff from them over the next couple of days. But the other thing, and I'm not going to talk entirely on this because there was it was a two hour showcase, but they had a PC gaming show today, which. If you guys have seen the PC gaming show before, uh, it's always a little cringy to watch um, when it's live. This time they're doing a digital showcase. So it's the same people that always host it, but instead from a digital environment. And of course, there's some silly, cringy, comedic elements that they threw in there. But uh, it was significantly better this time around. I was impressed with the some of the, the trailers that they showed off. And I mean, it was a two-hour segment with over 50 games and I think 12 developer interviews or something like that. Um, I'm not going to go through all of it. I think we'll save some of it for later, but there's a few of them here that I'd like to talk about. Uh, one of which is elite dangerous, which has a ability now to go on land and walk around. So this game apparently is a one-to-one scale recreation of Milky way. And now you can land on said planets in the Milky Way galaxy and walk around and continue your adventure in Elite Dangerous. And I was, I've never played this game, but I'm in immensely fascinated by the scope and scale of this thing. Um, it's even in VR. Uh, I know you can get Elite Dangerous in VR, which I was like, holy shit, like that's a whole other experience in itself. But it looked pretty cool. I was, I was pretty excited on it. Yeah, can't wait to see some gameplay footage and see how it actually plays because it might be worth jumping into. But <clears throat> I remember, yeah, when VR came out, this was like a big thing. I feel like like one of the staples that everyone kept showing off. I mean, like, hey, play this. At, you know, you go to convention, they have Elite Dangerous up for you to play on a VR headset. And I don't know, it looks cool. Like I, the gameplay looks great, but I just these space simulator things. Like I just not just can't do it. It's just too complicated. Yeah, yeah, so definitely too complicated. If um, if the on-ground combat is interesting, it might be worth picking up. I might pick it up, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so I own it already. I bought it at some point. I don't know why or when, but uh, <laughs> I thought about jumping into it just to see what it's all about since it is in my library. Yeah, why not? But uh, we'll see. Did you ever play Torchlight? Um, yes. I want to say yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I was curious. No, to know no, I haven't. I haven't. I was okay. going to buy it on, uh, uh, the switch. Never yeah. Did it. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Cause they announced Torchlight three and they showcased that and people, there's like a huge following behind this game and it looks really good. It's like kind of a Diablo kind of game, but I've just never been one to get super excited on it. But mm-hmm. I mean, when Torchlight three was showcased at the gaming show, I saw the Twitter feed just like blow up. And people were just like, oh my gosh, Torchlight 3, I've been waiting on this as long as since Torchlight 2 came out. Like, that's <laughs> that's good, I guess, you know? But I was just amazed at how how popular it is. Yeah. But, you know, if anybody's interested, Torchlight 3 is there. Early access ready for right you. now. And you can play as a robot, so that's there you cool. Go. Um, there was uh, several other little games in there that I'm, I want to dive deeper into at another time because I didn't watch enough on them. But one game that I was pretty interested in was Icarus. And it's a survival game that reminds me of The Forest meets Deep Rock Galactic. 
with better graphics, um, specifically better graphics in the forest because the forest graphics are terrible. But <laughs> it, uh, the hook on this is that you go down to a planet. Um, oh, it's from the Day Z creator. That's cool. Um, that's a pretty big deal, actually. Uh, the hook on this game is that you land on this planet and you survive and do survival things. And once you are, there's there's a timer kind of situation where you have to, after a certain period of time, you have to get back to your ship. Um, and if you don't, uh, everything you collected during that session on the planet is going to be lost. So all the resources you collected, all the progression, all this, that, whatever, um, will go away. So how far do you push yourself and are you willing to push through that, that stress of like getting back so you can like, you know, survive or whatever. And I was like, that's, that's the way in which they pitched the, that gameplay mechanic was just really, really interesting and unique and, um, kind of awesome. So you always return to the same planet, but you have, you can't stay there forever. You have to go in sessions and each session is a different time period to, to be there without, I think you just die if you don't make it back in time and uh, lose all your shit. So, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting take on that kind of game. And it definitely adds a, another layer of stress and strategy to it. So it'd be interesting to jump into it. Yeah, I think I'll play it. Yeah. And it's going to be a uh, free to play. So, oh, very cool. That's even, even better. better. Yeah. Uh, there's a game <laughs> I saw. But the concept was a little interesting. It was a uh, Dwarfheim, which yep. is a real-time asymmetric co-op strategy game. So uh, apparently there are classes, you gather resources, expand the cities, and then you're just trying to survive with with friends. And I was like, huh. Like the trailer, the gameplay doesn't look like amazing, amazing, but it was like, you know, your dwarves, uh, the, they had, you know, someone talking over it and dwarf sound like a dwarf guy. And I was like, huh, I mean, the, the concept is interesting and it might be worth jumping into yeah, for co-op, you know, so. Yeah, I really liked the look of that one too. I was uh, kind of excited to it. Is it um, it's no, uh, fall okay. 2020. Oh, okay. No. We'll see. We'll see. The graphics aren't anything to talk about, but that's yeah. not always a deal breaker. No, yeah. It's, it's definitely got some RTS vibes that look pretty exciting. So I'm all about that life. Um. Yeah, there was a uh, uh, one that I was I was looking at that I, I've never played this game before, but uh, they brought up the sequel for it, Evil Genius Two, that I just was cracking up. It's like you play; it's basically a like a theme hospital, but you're a uh, building a spy fi lair. Um, you're a criminal mastermind. You construct your base, train your minions, defend your operations from the forces of justice, and achieve global domination. And so it's like one part, like, you know, building a facility, you know, like a, a themes, like a theme hospital simulator. And then another part of like RP, I mean, like sending people out into the wild to like, you know, do mischievous things and collect more money. And I, I like it. I want to play it. It's, it looks fun and exciting. I want to be like a mini, a despicable me character, basically <laughs> just take over, dominate the world. In style, it's yeah, amazing. Honestly, uh, I mean, hearing about you and other people play Two Point Hospital is like it's very interesting. Not my kind of game, but this might be a different story. Yeah, I might yeah. jump into this. We'll see. Like, I like the concept of it for sure. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. But then there's Godfall, Austin. Godfall. Godfall? Coming to PC as well, in addition to PS5. What's Godfall? And they showed... You don't know what Godfall is? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Fuck you, man. <laughs> go go play your Epic Game Store, okay? What? what? Why? <laughs> Why did that come up? I don't know. Is that your diss on me? Know. That's my diss. Okay. That's my diss. Well, it dissed yeah. me pretty good. <clears throat> I wonder if this game's going to suck. I hope it doesn't. You think so? I'm just worried because I'm like, it looks cool. It presents well, but I'm like, what if it did? Maybe it's just like all this showiness. But I mean, the game just looks beautiful. There's all these cool effects and like, I mean, it's it's basically a Destiny, but like with melee combat and more colorful worlds. And I am just super, super excited about it. Yeah, it's the, I, is it supposed to be MMO uh, first person combat? Or third no, it's person? third person. Yeah. Slasher. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like God of War had a baby with Destiny. Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, because you have like God of War style combat stuff mixed with some other. I mean, it's more fast paced than God of War, I guess, but it's kind of oh, yeah. got got that feel. And then you have the destiny mechanics of an MMO, you know, loot? where you yeah. loot grind and leveling and yeah. armor upgrades and all the things. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I think it might. I don't know. Like, I, I want to try it out just because of the combat that it has. It's it's definitely different, and especially in the. The culture we have now, it's mostly FPSs dominate the scene. So I don't think this will dominate it, but it'll be a nice change of pace for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's coming out this holiday too, which is even more exciting. So Ooh. I don't know what I'm gonna where I'm going to get it though because I, I don't know. I kind of want to get it on PC, but then I feel like it would be a great first game for my Switch or my, not Switch, oh PlayStation. Oh my gosh, what the, the heck? PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, the PlayStation <clears throat> for sure. Yeah, because, uh, and I mean, I like melee combat games on controller yeah then i then you know more so anyway oh, yeah. so i oh, think yeah. that'd be the the place to get it but it looks awesome and it's got a great great team behind it like the people that have worked on it worked on destiny and all these really big huge games so um i don't think it'll be a b-rated game it'll definitely be up there and quality for sure so awesome yeah i'm, I'm hyped for it yeah uh, is there anything else you want to cover on that? I think I'm going to save whatever was in the latter half of it for next week, unless there's okay. anything specific you want to jump into uh, yeah. from the PC gaming show that was like, yeah, we got to talk about this right now. Um, I will mention Mortal Shell. I mean, it's very much a... Uh, what is it called? Mortal Shell. A mortal? Yeah. No, mortal. Okay. Mortal. Yeah. It's very much like Dark Souls. Uh not sure oh, how I yeah. feel about it, but I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm just curious, like how levels are laid out and and the going like moving like story wise and stuff like that. And I mean, clones aren't always the best, but maybe they got something interesting in there. I haven't made up my made up my mind yet. Yeah, but yeah, it that, lo- I like the idea of it. I just uh, when I was watching that combat trailer of them fighting that guy, I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> like it just took forever for them to like get get that guy's armor down. It's just like felt like they were just hitting X every few seconds and hoping that they would eventually get the armor knocked out. It's like, oh gosh, why? But yeah. I mean, it could be that could have been just a bad presentation on that part. Yeah. But the other pieces of it, like the environments and stuff like that, do look kind of interesting. I'm looking at some screenshots right now, and there is some cool stuff here. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's basically so. a Dark Souls clone. In my opinion, yeah, basically, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's that. Cool. 
Well, as y'all saw, there's a lot of stuff that was uh, talked about and there's more to come. Uh, we have the future game show that's going on right now that we'll be talking about probably a little bit next week. And then next week itself, uh, EA is announcing a few things. Um, I think EA Play is next Thursday. So that'll be a pretty big thing to tune into. Hopefully they got some good announcements from there. I know we're definitely going to get a new Star Star Wars uh, like racing game. Um, I don't know if it's pod racers or what it is, but that's that's been leaked. So um, stay tuned for that. And if you guys haven't subscribed to us on YouTube, you should check us out at youtube.com slash the inner gamer, uh, where you can watch not only some of these discussions, but also video with these discussions and see some gameplay, which is pretty awesome. And uh, make sure you subscribe and bang that bell to get the videos as they launch. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our discussion topic where we talk about the PlayStation 5. You're listening to the inner gamer. Each week, we dive into a hot topic about video games, and this podcast has been a lot of hot topics about video games, but we've saved the best for last, and that is the PlayStation 5 reveal. Now, let me preface by saying, if you haven't watched it, you need to just pause this right now and go watch some shit, because there's some good shit, or you can just stay here and listen to all the things that we say, and then go back and watch it, because either way, it's going to be great. But I will tell you, in a nutshell, this was... By far, one of my favorite reveals probably in history, like in a long time. Yeah. Especially for COVID. It and was it, great. Austin, awesome. what did you think? It got the week started off good because first there wasn't going to be any gaming, and then all the gaming came out. There's so much to, to look at, but man, this just, yeah. I didn't know what to expect. I don't even remember. I uh, can't remember like how excited I was when the PS4 was announced, but... Yeah, this was absolute hype. I am super excited for the PlayStation 5 and everything that's coming with it. So, and PlayStation 5 remains king in consoles. So, let's jump into it, Brett. Yeah. So, they they opened up the showcase in a very interesting way in which they started with a trailer that was jumping through time from the very first console with Sony PlayStation 1 up to the dates in which the PlayStation 4 came out. And then they went through a series of trailers showcasing kind of the legacy and the experiences that you had through the PlayStation 4 era. And then they opened up with a trailer with a Rockstar Games logo. And I think when everybody saw that, they all lost their shit for like two seconds. Until they opened the trailer, which was Grand Theft Auto V. And I was like, ah, oh, you shitting me. Okay, here we go again. Like, this why? is Skyrim 2.0. Seriously. Um, and they showcased this game. And basically what they came out to say is that uh, Grand Theft Auto V is coming to PlayStation 5. Mm-hmm. And it'll be better looking and more exciting. And it'll be free for all PlayStation 5 owners to get. So there's that. So if you want to play, play Grand Theft Auto V, you can still play I was it. Like, I was like, this is so stupid. Like, Is there still that big of a fan base for this game. Like, holy crap. Like, who cares? It's still bringing in the money, man. It's still bringing in the money. It's crazy. And everyone who has it right now gets like a million dollars a week for a month. until yeah. a month until... Yeah. Uh, Which I thought was pretty cool. It was like, yeah, if you if you have it on PlayStation 4 right now, like, you'll get a million dollars a month on GTA Online until the game comes out. And then when the game comes out, you get the upgraded version for free on PlayStation 5. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's kind of a neat thing. But 
that aside, after that, it all just went uphill from there. And they jumped into a game showcase. Ooh, and baby. throughout the course of this showcase, I was really fascinated by, I mean, for one, like there was a lot of discussion ahead of time about, you know, Sony was really hesitant to do this because they're all about wanting to do live shows where they present things to people in a live studio audience to get the reactions and stuff like that. So they were, they were uh, apparently they were having a lot of trouble figuring out how to do this the way they wanted to do it. And they definitely didn't want, they wanted it to look professional. They wanted it to look like legit and they didn't want to be like what Xbox did a couple of weeks ago <laughs> where they had like half the developers oh, you know, talking man. from their bedroom, which yeah. I didn't mind that necessarily, but not in that, Hey, this is an Xbox gaming gameplay showcase of the series X. No, no, no. Uh, you don't show it from your bedroom. You got to show it. You got to bring it all out. So this one, they had these guys behind a nice background, wherever they were, great looking cameras. They had this badass series of uh, motion graphics in between every like segment of the show yeah. throughout that was completely different every single time. I was like, this, whoever put this shit together worked their ass off to make all these things because they were, I mean, they were top notch and every single one was completely different. Yeah, and I was I, like, that's awesome. Sony knows what they're doing and they know the brand they're trying to sell and the image that they want and the image that we, we want. And honestly, I mentioned in our, my Instagram post, uh, our Instagram TV, go check out our channel and watch it, that they're almost selling a lifestyle at this point. Especially with the way that the, you know, everything designed and stuff, and how they, like, obviously they care about the games, they care about the gamers, and they're trying to tell really good stories, but they're like very good cinematic stories too, and yeah, just yeah. the way that all that the artisticness of everything is cohesive across the board, and yeah, man, like that stuff was awesome. Like oh, yeah. I was excited to see the in between times too. I'm just like, okay, what do we see this time? So we're going to dive into some of the games because that was what this was all about. So we thought was the games <laughs> and they were going to showcase the PS5 uh, games, what we're going to see with the future of gaming. And they open it up with, let me make sure this is in the order. This isn't necessarily in the order of it. It's um, not. It's not. They, they opened up it. with a game I was really looking forward to and I didn't even realize it was going to be this, but the new Spider-Man game. Hell titled yeah. Spider-Man Miles Morales. So he is taking up the mantle of Spider-Man. I didn't think we'd get to this part of the story this quick, but holy crap, I am excited, dude. Because now with that movie that came out recently, it was awesome. The great movie getting Miles Morales, uh, Miles Morales like brought back into the Spider-Man universe in a positive way. Uh, I talked to Jason, one of our community members, and he was saying that you know he wasn't that pumped about Miles Morales because apparently the comics didn't do him justice and people weren't really excited about him. But now that the movie came out, everyone's hyped. This game's coming out. I'm even more hyped. Like hell yeah! yeah I was gonna say I, I think after uh, the the animated show, like it really turned everybody around on yeah. on Miles Morales. And, oh yeah. But but yeah, when I saw this, I was kind of kind of shocked because they were. They were showcasing Miles Morales. And I was like, fuck yeah, Spider-Man game is going to be great. It's like DLC or some shit like that. But then they came out and confirmed after the fact that this is a standalone game. And this is going to kind of operate, I think, a little bit like the Uncharted Lost Legacy. Oh, Where okay. it was like a shorter kind of experience, but an independent experience following a different character. 
So I bet you we'll probably see Peter Parker and we'll probably see some other characters mixed in with it, but it's told yeah. from a different perspective. And it's coming out this holiday season. Yeah, my, I was like, are you shitting me? This like they were gonna get this in like four months. Yeah, maybe less man. than that. I'm like, oh man. Um, that was that was amazing to see. So yes, great, great start after the Grand Theft Auto thing, Miles Morales. That was awesome. And um, as you'd expect, they then jump into what they can't not show. I mean, it's like every game console has to have that one token racing game. And of course, it was Gran Turismo 7. <laughs> I was like, um, really? God darn it. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like I love racing games, but I'm not too excited on the Gran Turismo franchise. It's way too realistic for me. And this is basically the exact same situation. The graphics... This is one thing that I thought was interesting is that I wasn't as impressed about the graphic quality in a lot of these games kind of going through the whole showcase. Like I was like, they all look great, right? But there isn't anything that I felt was a significant step up from anything I've been playing prior to this. And I think it's just because it's it's hard to do that now because games already look really good. Yeah. So yeah. even seeing Gran Turismo 7, which should be like, you know, the premier top-notch, you know, graphical showcase, <laughs> like the only big upgrade was the ray tracing everywhere. And yeah. that was about, about it. So Yeah, but it's hit its um, limit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it looked cool. But what 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 I was really excited about after that was Ratchet and Clank, man. Oh. They pull out some Ratchet and Clank shit, and dude, it is ridiculous. Like I didn't play the last one. I was really sad I didn't get to. Uh, I still could, but I probably won't at this point. But yeah, yeah. man, wow. Yeah, like, I never beat travel? the last one, but it was good. We're traveling through wormholes every five seconds. Like I was trying to get the mechanic that. Um, because there's like little wormholes, I guess you can latch onto and pull yourself through. It's a rift. Yeah, it's a rift that they so have. Yeah, I guess it pulls you through to. I don't even know. There's a lot. Well, of it looks like shit. you like press a button and then it creates a rift and then you like use like kind of a, a grappling hook to pull yourself into the rift. So whenever you you like open a rift and then you're pulling yourself into it and then it teleports you through to another. Basically, you're like teleporting through time in a way, I guess, but teleporting yourself. Yeah, but I mean that was that. This was the first game that they, which I mean, it was the third game that they showed. But this really, really showcased <clears throat> what, why the PS five is going to be so important mm-hmm. because the the stuff that was happening on screen, I oh, was yeah. just like, you're struggling to keep up with everything. I mean, you have particle effects flying everywhere. You blow people up, and then you like quickly rift through a freaking thing. That opening cinematic where they show you like rifting through planet to planet to planet seamlessly. In gameplay, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what is going on in this game?" Yeah, what, what? Yeah, you could not get this right now. This would not happen right now. Yeah, but yeah, my my mind's blown, man. I was like, I can't believe this is actual gameplay. And then they have the uh, the ray tracing stuff, and it just adds a whole, you know, uh, level of fidelity on top of what we're already seeing. I'm just like, holy shit! <laughs> I'm so excited yeah. for this game, just for the visuals <laughs> itself. Clank is shiny. I know. He's super shiny. It's yeah. awesome. Oh, it's yeah. just I I'm impressed by what they're doing here. Yeah, no, I, I was it was definitely gonna be on the top of my list. I mean, it's I had a blast with Ratchet and Clank. I didn't realize I would, so I never really got in Ratchet and Clank when I was younger, but mm-hmm. um this definitely is gonna be a, a first day buy for me. Yeah. Um oh, yeah. can't wait. And then the next game that we jumped into was a, a game called, uh, and I finally have a list that's in consecutive words. So I'm really happy about that. Uh, the next game was Project Aphia. And this was a game from Square Enix and Luminous Productions. And this is, this didn't know what this thing was. Some people were like, is this, is this Final Fantasy? Is this that or whatever? But like the, the thing that 
really kind of surprised me was you're playing this 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 female character who starts like leaping from like like platform to platform in this like jungly area. Yeah. And it's almost super quick and werewolf creatures and stuff like that is almost like what? It's almost like uh the demo for Unreal Five. Yeah, yeah, definitely was. Um in a way. Yeah. And it's a, a PS5 exclusive. And I, I'm curious to know like if this is a actual title or if this is a working title. Because you know, Square Screenix was like, what was Octopath Travel like Project Octopath or something think, like that yeah, when it first like came that. out? So maybe this will be like the Athea Traveler, yeah. Athea's Legend or something. I don't know. But I was intrigued by it. Like I was really captivated by some of the gameplay and the the various elements and it, it looked really cool. So there's a freaking dragon at the end. I'm just like, okay. It's like I, I don't know. It already strikes me as Dark Souls, the way some of these creatures are designed, but you know, everything's mm-hmm. like that these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited, dude. Like you're just it just it's almost like as far as I can see, you can go there and travel and stuff because you look over this mountain and yeah, I I don't even I don't even know, man, I don't even know, but yeah. I, I'm definitely excited to see what, where we're gonna lead with that. Hell yeah! Um, and then the next game was really interesting, uh, as as you'd expect, because it's Annapurna Interactive, and they revealed a game with a bunch of robots. But then every once in a while, you see these like cats showing up in the world, and uh, it's a game called Stray where apparently humans have died off, cats are still in abundance, and the robots replace humanity in their old roles. So it's got this whole like neon, kind of a, almost a cyberpunky feel in a way, but uh, all these cats that wear backpacks, and I don't know what the gameplay is or what goes on with it, but I was just like, I mean, I love Annapurna. Anything that they put out, I'm obsessed with. And it's always unique and weird and different, and this is this looks weird and different, and I kind of want to play it. I'm not a fan of cats, but I mean that cat at the end with the little backpack was kind of cute. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I want to play it. It looks pretty interesting. Yeah. Do you think it's gonna be a walking simulator? Like, what do you think it's actually gonna be? It might be a platformer. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Speaking of which, there was a lot of platformers in this thing. Yes, there were, um, and a lot of third will, person <laughs> action yeah, RPGs. A lot of third person action RPGs. Um, the next game they revealed, I was really excited on because it's a Housemark game. And uh, if those of you that don't know who Housemark is, they are responsible for Resogun, which we fell in love with on the PS4 when it first came out. It was like a side-scrolling freaking mayhem shooter chaos machine thing that was just a blast to play, full of color. Uh, this is their first big venture into because they 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 said a while back that they were quitting making little arcade games because they felt like not everybody, not enough people wanted them. So they decide they're going to go into like full-blown AAA stuff, territory. And this is their first adventure. They were making a game called Storm Chasers or Stormlanders or some... It was like a Battle Royale thing for a while there. And I think that project got shuttered. And now they're back with a game called Returnal. And this is a... You crash land on an alien planet. The protagonist keeps reliving the same events, including her death, over and over again. And uh, the planet changes every time she dies. And it it looked it looked cool. I mean, I don't I don't know how I feel about the name necessarily. That's not exciting, but I mean, it's it's definitely got some house marquee vibes with some color tones coming into this like realistic, kind of dark uh, world. Oh, and yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna play it just because it's oh, house yeah. mark. I mean, I think I, I probably like ninety percent of these games I want to play. <laughs> it just looks so amazing. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. an interesting concept, and uh, I'm curious to see where the story leads. Yeah, 
And then uh, we lead into uh, Sumo Digital made a game called Sackboy, a big adventure, which is like the little big planet Sackboy, but this is a 3D platforming game um, rather than 2D from the first game. So this isn't done by uh, the folks at Dreams, obviously. It's just done by a different team, but um, they made this character. And it looks like a fun little platformer for kids and stuff like that. But again, there's like been a lot of platformers that they've been putting out. And I was like, where'd this thing come from out of left field? But it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's nice to see. Nice to see Snack Boy come back. Sack Boy. Sack Boy. Sorry. Snack Boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they had a game called Destruction All-Stars by Lucid Games. And this this reminded me of like if you took Rocket League and combine it with some kind of like destruction derby kind of deal. Yeah. I don't exactly know what we're going to do, but it was destructible vehicles, on foot characters, demolition derby with characters mourning around. So I don't know if you're like, it's a hero shooter mixed with like Rocket League, mixed with a destruction derby, but it was weird. And I was kind of interested in it because I mean, you had all these unique character looking things that were like on top of their cars, in their cars, cars that were jumping around doing flips and shit all over the place. And, Super fast, super like, you know, just it's a spectacle of crazy physics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, random, but cool nonetheless. Yes, I agree. And then we go into a game called Kenna, Kena, Bridge of Spirits. This is a game by Ember Lab, and it's Pixar-like visuals with magical abilities and enemies. Platforming and discovery will play a major role, as will hurting up small, cute creatures. And there will also be dangerous monsters along the way. And when I saw this, I was like, yes, please sign me up for this thing because it just looks so cool. It's like the, the art style is cool. It looks kind of, kind of, uh, I don't know. It just kind of has some Zelda vibes in a way, but not Zelda vibes, but the, the, the character you play, the, the world that you're traveling through the, the rounding up these little like creature things, whatever they are, um, was kind of interesting. There's just a lot of like interesting things to do and like experience inside there. And it just reminds me of like, like a fable or a Zelda or, um, something in that realm, but, but it's an original IP and it's got really nice visuals. So, oh yeah. What uh, do you think about it? Um, actually, I'm trying to find the trailer for it. Yeah. I I'm, I'm on a list that doesn't have everything in order. <laughs> gotcha. So I'm I don't know. That. I try to remember this doesn't what have it trailers was. on it, but um, this will give you a list here. I put in an article in there. So you got a list that follows the order now. Um, um so you can see that. Oh, okay. It's, oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Boom. It just has descriptions basically, but yeah, it'll help. It'll help. Kina, Kina, Bridges. Oh, is that that one? Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one. Um, oh yeah. I'm super excited about this. It's like, yeah, it reminds me of like Avatar Last Airbender in a way. And you yeah. have to go and defeat the evil spirits and return the world back to its natural habitat or whatever with with other little spirity things. But yeah, it looks very cute. All about it. Oh, yeah. And then they come in with a game called Goodbye Volcano High, which is a fantasy creatures in a hand-drawn art style. And it's uh, set in, quote, end of the era. It comes in later uh, later part of 2021 and has a unique indie-style soundtrack. And this reminded me a lot of, like, if you took Life is Strange and combine it with, like, a like a animated cartoon thing, 
and brought it all together. And I was just like, this was a really random thing for a PS5 reveal because it's not showcasing graphics. I mean, it's got its own very unique art style, but it kind of was interesting. I even saw some Night in the Woods kind of vibes coming through this. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I might I might have to get into it because it, it might it might be one of those games that I wouldn't find myself wanting to play, but then I do, and then I like it. But yeah, yeah it, looked, it looked pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then we got Odd World Soulstorm. Austin, have you ever played an Odd World game? Uh, probably very briefly, but I'm surprised it's still coming out. Like, it looks interesting, but it's never been like a game I really wanted to jump into. I know it's got like a small fan base. It's a very weird, weird world. Yeah, the characters are really, really strange. But yeah. um, apparently, when this was announced, people kind of eat it up a little bit, which I was, I was kind of surprised. But I mean, it looks really good. Um, it's, I mean, it's kind of a side scroller, but I mean, obviously, PS5. It's showcasing how good the graphics are, and there's a bunch of physics and particle effects and all these like crazy things happen on screen and the camera moves with you a little bit as you travel from, from area to area. And it just, it just had a really nice look to it and it's, it's dark, um, but also kind of funny um, as it would be in an all world game. And um, yeah, I just check out a trailer for this game because it's, it's something, something weird and just different. Yeah. That, um, I, I might actually be into in some strange way. Right. Yeah, I think uh, it's something I might pick up too, or at least watch it and maybe pick it up. Yeah, we shall see. There's just so many other games coming out. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to get anymore. Such as Ghostwire Tokyo. Yes, they brought this here, and we had seen Ghostwire Tokyo last year at E3 when they showcased a trailer that was like a teaser, basically. Um, and they also had that girl that was working on the game that ended up leaving, but she was very hilarious and great on stage. Yeah. Uh, and this time they showed the game and um, this is first gameplay. And I had no idea this game was first person. It's a first person like action game that kind of looks a lot like Bioshock mm-hmm. with like powers and shit or Bioshock or like Dishonored or whatever. And um it looks interesting. I'm kind of intrigued. There's a lot of weird trippy shit going on. Yeah. Um, I see some like, uh, you know, what, what's it called? Slenderman. Like Twin Peaks elements. Uh, yeah, Slenderman stuff. Yeah, some Slenderman but, in there. Yeah. And I, I'm curious to see with that because I want to know like the the uh, the lore behind some of these uh, supernatural entities. Because yeah. obviously you see Slenderman, you see like, a, uh, you know, Woman in White, which is pretty tropic for these you know, scary stories and stuff like that. And but it kind of seems like they're all working together in a yeah. way. And um yeah, I'm just like, what is going on here? But it's all set in Tokyo, so it's just an interesting, you know, place to be along with all this stuff. So it, it should make for a fun time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. It's coming out in twenty twenty one. Very different than anything they've done before because this is the company I think that did uh the evil within. So it's like a very different take for them to uh venture in this realm but it, oh, yeah. you know, it looked awesome it was great great first showcase of the gameplay oh, yeah. and uh then we have a game called jet the far shore uh, i'm not going to talk much about about this one it was just you know it was interesting it's from the creators of super brothers mm-hmm. um but uh had a good look to it so there is that one but then we had godfall um we already talked about godfall earlier but yes count me in all about this game Cannot wait to see more from it. See some UI elements, and it's coming out this holiday season. So, hell yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah, Austin. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, yeah hell no. 
Next one caught me by surprise. <laughs> Solar Ash from the creators of Hyperlight Drifter. I saw this and I was like, holy shit, they're going to make a 3D Hyperlight Drifter. Holy shit, 3D Hyperlight Drifter. Basically. And then what does it become? It's a 3D Hyperlight Drifter. Yeah. I was like, whoa. They have the same kind of feeling, same kind of aesthetic, same kind of music to set the tone. And I was just like, yep, count me in. I love this game. I love it already. The music is amazing. I need to find out who did the music if it was Disaster Piece again because I've never played Hyperlight Drifter, but I've listened countlessly to that soundtrack i love yeah. that soundtrack right um and uh, i want to play hyperlight drifter i just feel like it's too hard and i'd probably die uh, it's not as hard as you think it'd be that's good yeah i probably still die but <laughs> probably my i might try i died a lot so how about that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a great little teaser trailer to get us pumped for a full full trailer and then full release coming in 2021 it's too far yeah. away it's just too far away yeah, there's gonna be a lot. I mean, we already have a huge lineup of 2021 that you know it's not even in 2021 yet, and we haven't even had an E3 yet. We uh, really got a whole list of stuff that's coming out. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, hitting up in January of 2021 is Hitman 3, the next Hitman, and uh, they showed a, a, tra- a gameplay trailer of it in Dubai and uh, talked a little bit about some of the settings that they're going to be in and like. People love this game. Like, there's there's something about it that like I've never been into it, but ever since they changed the formula a little bit to make it where you just have this massive open area and you have to figure out any way you want to to take out your objective. Like, people fell in love with this, and there's people that are like so oh, yeah. passionate about this game. Like Leo Vader on Game Informer. Oh yeah. Like he, this is one of his favorite games of all time, and I I just don't like all that stealthy like do whatever you want, have full freedom kind of stuff. But it looked great. Like that Dubai level, the little bit that they showed up, it was really, really nice looking. Um, yeah. And then they uh, revealed Astro's Playroom, which a lot of people were like, is this going to be a tutorial for PlayStation or is this going to be an actual game? Because everybody wants Astro Bot to be its own game after they brought out the Astro Bot Rescue Mission uh, VR game last year. Mm. Um but unfortunately, no, this is actually going to be a tutorial for PlayStation 5. So um, this is uh, they showed a little bit of the character moving around. And ultimately, what this is going to do is it's going to come with every console. You're going to pull it up, and it's going to be like the playroom that they had on the first PS4, where it introduced you to the different mechanics of your controller. So you're going to learn about the motion controls. You're going to learn about the haptic feedback, all the different stuff, as you're playing through a little short game experience. By Japan Studio. So... Cool. There it is. Yeah. And then we got a uh, little devil inside, which is, uh, I don't remember this game actually. So I'm going to skip it. Do you remember this game? Yeah. It's kind of like uh breath of the wild, like a darker version of breath of the wild seemed like to me. Okay. Okay. So definitely looks interesting. It's got that unique taste or take on art style and stuff and interesting looking enemies, uh, kind of cute in some places. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's another great lineup for this for for PlayStation. Yeah, yep. Huh. Oh, I don't remember that, but awesome. Yep. Uh, then we have NBA K- NBA Two K Two One. I mean, gosh. you got to put a sports game in there. Yeah, I guess uh, you got to put it in there. Good graphics, all that stuff. But enough said. Lots of sweat. Yeah, yeah you can see like. Sweat I was like, the oh faces. my god, the sweat! It looks so real. <laughs> that's about yep. it. I was like, if I that's what they're trying to show it. off, like that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you but, want man but you i feel like sweat dripping off your balls <laughs> every game they come out with this is always like oh look at the sweat yes yeah, so realistic 
sorry. That's how you do it, man. I'm a little facetious now, and to now, that. And now it's got ray tracing. Uh, I know. And that's why this sweat looks so real. Yep. Uh, the next game they had, which this, I don't, I don't know what to even think about this game, what, but yeah. it's called, it's called bug snacks and they open up with a little strawberry with eyeballs and then it goes run over another strawberry with eyeballs and uh, then they go get picked up by this character who eats the strawberries. I don't even think you should explain it. <laughs> it's just go look it up. This is, this game looks stupid. No, it looks awesome. I want to play it. No, it looks so interesting. No, it's no, no, weird. No. And it's from the creators of Octodad, which apparently that was like a really fucked up game. But yeah. I don't know. I just, I thought it was hilarious. I was cracking up the whole entire time. I was like, what the fuck is this? And it's very, very bizarre. It's coming out this year and you can, everything you eat just, it becomes you. Yeah. So you eat a strawberry and you get a strawberry arm. I mean, why, who wouldn't want that? Definitely for and Bug snacks. Yeah. Bug snacks. Yeah, probably so. Um, but if you want something that's not for kids, there's Demon Souls. Yeah. Which I thought this game was called Demon Souls. Was it Demon Souls, or are they just calling it Demon Souls because it's the remake and they're putting a new name on it? I don't know. I don't know. No, it says Demon Souls is getting a remake, so it's got to mm-hmm. be the same one. I don't know. Interesting. I really don't know. I didn't play Demon Souls, but it looks looks great. Obviously, amazing looking graphics. So probably pick it up at some point. It was Demon Souls. Maybe that was like a sequel to Demon Souls. Oh, okay. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. It does look really nice. Um, and then it's funny because you thought that the this whole thing was going to come to an end. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. We're not done yet. We yeah. got more. Oh, man. Dude, and then um, uh, Arcane Studios, Leon, presents Deathloop, the actual gameplay from Deathloop, the game that they announced last year at the E3 conference. And... Man, oh man! I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm like kind of indifferent about this because it still feels very dishonoredy. Like, oh yeah, um, oh very much so. And but there were some interesting mechanics. I love the art style. Like when they started going into the freaking like, like uh oh, who's the guy? Like Lockstock and Smoking Barrel kind of like title screens and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really interesting to see that happen. And it's I guess assassins are engaged in an ongoing duel and um. It is uh things go awry and you just got tons of firepower and apparently like if you fail you just restart the loop to go back to where you were yeah and that's like a big part of the mechanic and everything so I was very uh very intrigued by this yeah and definitely would like to see more of it yep um as time goes on yeah not not on my like definitely I mean I, yeah I'll see what happens with it it's not really on my list of things I want to do. Sadly, hasn't captured me just yet. But the next one blew my mind, Brett. It freaking blew my mind. So they 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 start this like trailer with this woman telling like a bedtime story, and this guy's like, "Yeah, it's kind of creepy. You know why are you doing that?" And I don't know. Some things are said, and then the guy like ends up in some like town somewhere, and uh, this guy shoots him with, and he's like, "They're coming," and we're like, "What the heck's going on?" Then it seemingly seems like werewolves come out or like around this little shack you're in with this guy and takes the uh, one werewolf, I guess, from from the attic, like busts in and takes the guy up. And then another one from below busts in and takes you down. And you're seeing all this like really weird, like kind of witches and warlocks and potential vampires. And they come to find out it's a freaking Resident Evil game called Resident Evil Village. And it's the next one in the series. And I'm just like, what? The fuck just happened here? 
<laughs> I was, ju- I couldn't believe it. I was stunned, man. I was literally stunned. Like, this looks awesome. I think people were kind of heard rumors of being like werewolves and stuff coming. Yeah. And they're like, they don't know if that's like the best way to take the series, but it looks great. And the last one was pretty phenomenal. Um, and I think this one could probably be just as good. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know what kind of virus they're going to say infected these people, but it's kind of like Transylvania type setting. And I, I'm pumped to see it. Yeah, the first thing that came to my mind was The Village by M. Night Shyamalan. When yeah. I saw that text across yeah. screen, I was like, oh, it's The Village. But yeah, the way in which they showcased it, like, I, I didn't, because I, I had remembered that they were rumoring that there was going to be a Resident Evil called The Village, but I had forgotten about it when I was watching the trailer. So the trailer is playing through, and I'm like, oh, this looks like the graphics look great. It's not a game that I necessarily want to play because I hate horror games because I'm terrified of them. Yeah. But. Like all that stuff happening, and then they pan up that village, and then it's just like all of a sudden V I I I. I was like, oh my yeah, god! I was like, no, that was a great way. reveal. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, man. yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this I heard Resident Evil Seven was fantastic. Did you played it? Didn't you? Yeah, I did. I beat it. It was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, pretty yeah. Good. So, um, definitely an interesting, interesting uh, presence, and just yeah, beautiful looking game. Definitely a good showcase for uh, PS Five. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, this next one came out. Do what? This next one came out. Pragmata, which was kind of weird and very confusing. And yeah, you're inside like New York City, but then the sky breaks and you're actually on the moon with this like, uh, like 3D little girl or something. Like I, I was so confused. AI girl. Yeah, well, the was she AI too? Because I know the cat was AI, but I, I wasn't sure. I don't yeah, remember if she was. Well, it, she was breathing you know. in space. <laughs> she has to be AI. She can't be alive. Oh, that's true, duh. <laughs> yeah, like you break out of this, like I guess fake city you're in, and yeah, you're on the moon because you come, you 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 float out, and it's just like, uh, okay, I'm confused, and that was that was kind of like it. I was like, all right, wasn't much to go on, but interesting, I guess. Obviously, it looks amazing, graphic wise. Yeah, no, it it looked it looked really good, and I thought it was going to be. I'm trying to find out who was the because Anthony Johnston, who worked on Dead Space, revealed that he had a new game that was going to be revealed at this thing at the showcase, and I look this looked very much like it was uh like I that suit reminded me of Dead Space a lot, and I was like, oh, maybe this is it, but I don't know if. I don't know what the game was that he wrote or worked on. I'm trying to find it right now, and it's not showing up. Mm. I'm kind of upset because I'm like, what the what the hell was the game that he he re- released? And he yeah. apparently deleted the tweet after a while. <laughs> and, uh, so I don't know if it ever actually was ever revealed or not. It's kind of mm. weird. But anyway, yeah, Pragmata it looked interesting. I don't know what the gameplay is going to be like, but it caught my eye. So yeah. yeah. But then we came to a conclusion with one more game. Uh, that was uh, showed this beautiful vista, all these impressive looking worlds and stuff like that. And you hear this familiar voice come on, and uh, that familiar voice is none other than Ashley Birch, who is narrating the uh, main character Aloy in Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn Two is here, and it looks bigger and more epic than the first game Dude, ever was, which this- is hard to imagine. This could be huge, like absolutely enormous. The way that they're kind of, well, 
they didn't really put so much out there to get like a good idea. But I mean, the last one was pretty big and I can only imagine this one's going to be bigger because of all the different biomes that she was in and stuff. And I was like, woo. That's Bring what I'm scared on. about because like Bring I thought on. that like I played so much of that last one and I it just opened up to an even more massive world. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm done. Can't right. play this. Too big. <laughs> but but now this is gonna be like, I mean, there's I mean, you go underwater, it's like what? There's underwater gameplay, and there's I mean, like, yeah. I mean, they say it opens up to like the far west of the the area that she was in to see what's beyond where they were. I'm like, that could be freaking all the United States or something. I don't know. Um, but it, it, it looked really interesting. I mean, there was some really cool visual effects going on with like all the weird futuristic kind of stuff that comes into play. And then they had some kind of like enemy, like it wasn't just the big dinosaur things you were fighting, the robot dinosaurs you were fighting. Like there was actual like tribal like conflicts and stuff. And there was that one c- tribe that looked like they were the big bad wolves that were out to get you. And they had these massive robots that had red eyes that were like, being led by them and i was like whoa whoa there's gonna be some some big old shit happening here oh yeah it's gonna be crazy dude i'm excited but uh yeah it looked it looked impressive mm-hmm. and um cannot wait to see more of that and see some out and see some more gameplay and stuff like just let me see what that how that ui operates again and um gorilla definitely they've they've proven themselves I mean, they went from kill zone to like let's go a complete 180 and come out with a game that is melee combat action RPG. It's like that they, they did it and now they're doing us doing it again. So awesome. But Bigger, of course, better. that's not the end of it mm-hmm. because they showed all the games and they all were right, like, let me, let, let me say a comment about all this stuff. The whole time I was like, they better be leading up to something because I'm gonna be really pissed off if they don't. Like all the ga- all the games were just great, right? Like I really enjoyed everything they showed and there and it was like a great experience so far and I was like just put the cherry on top so we can go home and be very very happy. And honestly, I didn't think they're going to do it, Brett. Like all the way up I was like this is about to be over. And then cuz it, it went like two it went like 5 or 10 minutes over what I thought it was going to be, like the full hour program. Yeah, well, they said it was going to be over an hour. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was going to be a little bit over an hour, but they didn't say exactly how long it was going to be, but it was definitely going to be over an hour. But we were like already like an hour and 15 minutes in, I feel like, at this point. Oh, was it? Okay. Like yeah, that. something we were, like we were, that. We were, we were into like, it because like, yeah. I thought it was going to end, and then it continued to play like four more trailers or five more trailers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. what? No, I agree. But then I, and after that, I was like, okay, this is it. This is about to end, and I got so shit. Everyone's going to be upset. <laughs> But when I saw all those, like the like we were talking about at the beginning of this, like all the uh, you know motion graphics in between stuff, I was like, this is totally a, uh, this is here for one reason. Right. And this is to showcase like they're, they're showing visual cues and styles of the console, and we're gonna get there, and it's gonna. I thought it was all gonna piece together and show more and more to the very end, where it like showcases everything, which it didn't exactly do that, but like they were definitely showing some cues and highlights of the console. Which is what happened is mm-hmm. they finally at the very end reveal they have this like like dot things that are flowing like in this liquid fashion, c- uncovering and splitting apart to open up this black canvas and then it just pulls out and that black canvas is actually the center part of the console and then the little light comes on with the little blue elements and they sh- they pull out and it's like bam here you go you got this brand new console white console with a black like trim in the center and. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It yeah. was it was amazing. 
Yeah. I was blown away. A lot of people are saying it looks like a router. <laughs> sure. I mean, I guess it looks like a router. Yeah. But sometimes, but I mean, it looks like a fucking awesome router. Yeah. And <laughs> I want it uh, really bad. Oh, yeah. No, we, yeah, it is, it is clean, man. It is super clean. I want to put it everywhere and anywhere in my living room. What are you going to get? Are you going to get the disc or discless one? Dude, I don't know. Probably the disc one. Yeah. I mean, I like I like the look of the disc one because I feel like the, the or the discless one because I feel like with the disc, it's just a little like, I mean, the other one's so clean. It's very symmetrical in right. its shape and stuff like that. But I don't know. Like I want to still be able to go buy my GameStop games and mm-hmm. pick that stuff up. And, yeah, same here. You know, plug in a disc if I need to. But <laughs> hey, man, GameStop tempting. might not be around much longer. <laughs> yeah, they just lost like $165 million over the last couple months. So ridiculous. That's very possible. But um, I don't know which one I'm going to get. But yeah, it was when they showcase that console. And it's like, you know, as they always do, they always show it standing up ever since PS2. And uh, it's it's on it's on a vertical stand, and then they never showed it in the video of it laying down. People were like, "Does this thing actually lay down?" And then I did no, see another did. screenshot of it laying down. Yeah, they did for like a split second. I was like, "Really? You're just gonna give us that?" I didn't never yeah. went back, but I think someone posted it somewhere. Yeah, see, so, I never uh, even saw it in the video. I just saw a screen the 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 press screenshots they released afterwards, and mm. they showed it with like the controller and the console laying yeah. flat. And so, there's still like a base that sits on the bottom of it. Yeah, somehow. I guess you just. Pull it off and put it. I don't know how it works, but it looks like you just use the same base for vertical and horizontal placement. Yeah. But yeah, the controller looks clean. This looks clean. They got new camera, new, uh, I guess, camera for everything, right? I don't even know what you call it. What do they call the camera? For the HD camera. Yeah. Like it, it looks pretty clean. They got a headset looks clean. Now you get a media remote, which do they ever have a media remote for PlayStation? Nope. Okay. I didn't think so. And now I'm curious, like, is this going to be a bundle? You, do you get all this right out of the box? See, that's what I, I'm, I'm also curious about that, too, because uh, there was some concern about that. They were like, oh, no, here's Connect all over again. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. you know, that's what they did with the, the thing. But I feel like it's it could be a package deal if you wanted it. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about the media remote. Like, I don't, I mean, you have your remote. I mean, I guess it's nice if you want to use it as a media center, like you just have the remote by your stand instead I will of having like your it. PlayStation controller. Yeah, I would enjoy that a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah I guess if you use that, like, because, I mean, I use my Apple TV for it, so I don't ever have a need for that. But if your PlayStation is your media console, too, like your media platform, like, I, I, I could see it making sense. And it looks clean. It looks really nice. Um, the the audio the headphones are really intriguing to me because they're they're really pitching this idea of 3D audio with this new console that it'll have like this sense of like periphery sound all around you and the headphones are part of that concept. So if you have those headphones in your your head, like you're really going to be able to hear and feel. It sounds like they're gonna be pretty high quality headphones that will allow you to experience that 3D audio in full. Um, so I'm I I might have to buy those. So with all this, everything we've seen, games, console, what happened to Xbox? Uh, they they don't know. Do they care? Do they not care? I don't think Do, it's a matter. I mean, obviously they care. Like that's that's. I mean, they're they care about stuff, but they just care about the wrong things. I okay. Mean, yeah, I was gonna say priorities. Know, yeah, because I mean, it's not like they're. I mean, they're not spending millions of dollars to make a console for just because, you know, right, right. No, I, there's, I get it. there's an intent to it, but it's like, I just think that, and 
I, just, I think it's different. I mean, it's kind of like looking at comparing Microsoft to Apple, you know, like, well, again, it, that is kind of what it is because Microsoft is Xbox makes Microsoft or Microsoft makes Xbox games or Xbox <laughs> consoles and stuff like that. But yeah. Microsoft has always been the type of company that they're very, I mean, they're very consumer focused. They're all about giving people sense of choice a little bit, but they're always they've never been good at design. Like design has not been a big part of their life, their ecosystem. They're also not big people on, you know, creating a culture. Um, like building a culture around their products that 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 Steve Jobs was really able to do well and that you know he made Apple not just a hardware like he took normally if you look at a computer company you look at them as like geeky hardware people and then he took that idea and made it into no this is we are a lifestyle brand we are we are like a you know like a Chanel or whatever of stuff a very elegant top of the line lifestyle brand as opposed to a technology company that makes computers. And he was able to elevate that quite a bit with Apple. And I see that same thing happening now with like Sony's kind of pushing that a little bit and that they've, I feel there's still a lot of people that are more attached to their Xbox eco- ecosystem. But I think with Sony and their great decisions that they made with just like leaning into these games that have such strong story elements and gameplay that's just tight. I mean, it's not like, I mean, a lot of their games are kind of similar, but their their games are just very, very tightly well designed. And their console is always, I mean, PS3 kind of an exception, but I think PS3 would have been great had they just not, I think they just missed the mark hardware-wise and weren't able to deliver on what they wanted um, in time to make it cheap. And I think that's what killed them. And hopefully this one's affordable enough because that could also be an issue here is that this could be, I mean, we don't know, this could be a $600 console and that could be a problem. Um, but for Xbox, I don't think design is as much of a thing for them. It's like, they're all about their, their ecosystem that they've established and built out and stuff like that. And they're not, they're, they're not putting a focus on the games. Um, they're working on all these like technology services instead that is more in line with them. And maybe it's cause they've, they've given up on that piece of it of like, it's not for them a console thing that we're making anymore. It's instead a, uh, let's make a, an ecosystem that we can get people bought into because we know they're not always going to buy our console, but if they buy into our systems, we might have some potential to survive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I can forgive them for not having the best designed whatever. It's just, it's just, I keep remembering they had all these first party titles that were going to come out and they end up just kind of canceling all of them. And then the ones that did come out did not do that good. And it's just like, you know, what happened? There was a switch somewhere along the way, and um, obviously they decided to do their own thing, which is fine. I mean, that's what you want to do, but I don't know. I think they could be doing a lot to you know set themselves apart from PlayStation. <clears throat> but I guess, yeah, they're, they're doing what they think is right right now. Yeah, and they keep... It was funny because they dropped an ad the morning of the PS5 reveal, and it was like, showcasing like here's our console here's our thing it's the most powerful console ever blah 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 and it's just but I me mean, you still look at it though and it's like i have never been excited about the design of that console i mean it looks like a desktop computer but it's just it's a box right and a lot of people say it's a trash can and it kind of <laughs> is but like i mean i like with what sony did here it's like they they did some a little edgy i mean they went out of the box literally and, uh, you know, built a console system that like one of the things that the Sony boss came out and said is that 
Um, he says they want this device. The reason for the design um, is that they the goal of the form factor was to create something unexpected and, quote, daring. And um, he mentioned that they want to do something that was bold and daring almost. We wanted something forward-facing forward and future-facing for the 2020s. Um, the PS5's design is meant to demonstrate Sony's belief that the technology inside and the games that run on it are as eye-catching as the outside you see. Um, and then separately, he also said that the form factor of the PS5 is meant to, quote, grace your living room. Um, so they feel it would be nice to provide a design that would really grace most living areas. That's what we try to do. And as you know, I think we've been successful in that. So Yeah, that sounds very similar to something I've heard someone say before. Steve Jobs. Yep, yep. So definitely has that effect. Yeah. But uh yeah, I mean it, it kind of looks like a space alien spaceship kind of thing. It's definitely yeah. got that vibe to it. But I'm just I mean I think that's clever the way in which they designed the air ducts. I mean all the way around that black panel. Mm-hmm. Um I mean it's just like you're going to have air spewing out all around this console, but that's I mean they looks like they hopefully solve the the air issue. I hope so, man. I really do hope so. Only time will tell with that. But yeah. Yeah, I, I'm so happy PlayStation's like winning the console war. I just wish there was more competition. But yeah, I don't know. There's positives and negatives both sides. I I want to have that struggle in my mind. Like oh shit, PlayStation. Oh shit, Xbox. Like, they're both so good. I don't know what to get. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you have Nintendo Switch, which is like in a, a league of its own. You know, right. they like don't even care anymore. Oh but, yeah. Which but it's still, it's funny. It's a lot of people that are wanting it. Like they, they want the Xbox instead. I'm like, I don't get it. Well, where we're at right now, I feel like Netflix or not Netflix. <laughs> I don't know why I said Netflix. The Switch kind of can hold its own with everyone else right now, given the current state of everything. But now that all this new stuff's about to come out, especially for PlayStation, like I wonder. I know Switch will always have its fan base, but I wonder if it'll start to be less and less now now that you can get a PlayStation 5 with ray tracing with all these cool seemingly indie game looking games that look freaking phenomenal along with all the AAA titles like I wonder where Nintendo fits in on all that yeah because like the people who don't want to spend the money definitely are just going to probably stick with the Switch but and you can I mean yeah there's nothing wrong with the Switch it's amazing but I don't know Curious to see where the lines are drawn and how the, uh, yeah, they shift over the next generation. Yeah. Because I feel like maybe Nintendo might have to find a way to get some better graphics on their bigger screen, really make that Switch Pro happen. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't done it yet. Yeah. Maybe they're waiting. Definitely not, uh, not exactly the way you want it to be, but yeah. I mean, what are they waiting on? I, mean, that's I don't a, know. I have no idea. Technology to be better, maybe. Yeah, possibly. But uh, yeah, no, I was I was very impressed with the design of it. I was I was hoping it would be. I'm curious to see the size because I can't. You know, I mean, they put the controller next to it, so it looks like it's going to be pretty comparable, I guess, to the current PS4 Pro size potentially. But yeah, I'm just anxious to touch it and feel it and and get into it so good good stuff from playstation holiday 2020 it's right around the corner oh my gosh i don't have enough money for everything right now <laughs> well that's gonna wrap it up for our discussion this week everybody if you want to contribute to next week's segment give us a shout at the and you can join us 
or you can join us on our Discord channel with a link in the show notes. Uh, we'll be right back for our upcoming video game releases. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Looking forward to next week, let's talk about our upcoming video game releases. We have one game coming out, and it's not that exciting. On the 19th of June, we have a little-known game called The Last of Us Part 2. Holy crap! It is here. PS4 exclusive. The Last of Us Part 2. It is finally out. After several delays, we have it. Five years after their dangerous journey across the post-pandemic United States, Ellie and Joel have settled down in Jackson, Wyoming. Living amongst a thriving community of survivors has allowed them to pay pe- allowed them peace and stability despite the constant threat of the infected and other more desperate survivors. When a violent event disrupts that peace, Ellie embarks on a relentless journey to carry out justice and find closure. As she hunts those responsible one by one, she is confronted with the devastating physical and emotional repercussions of her actions. This is The Last of Us Part 2. It is here. It was leaked a while back. Some people read some stuff about it, but apparently it wasn't enough because people are like loving this game. Got a 10 out of 10 on Game Informer. So here it is. We'll be talking about it soon. Can't wait. But first, I got to play Last of Us 2. One. Sorry. That's the first one. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think I'm going to get it. It's whatever. You're not going to get it? No, it's whatever. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to get it, people. Come on. <laughs> All right. And with that, that's going to wrap up our show, everybody. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget about uh, our Twitch stream every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. You can watch us play Divinity Original Sin at twitch.tv slash the Inner Gamer Cast. And uh, yeah, pretty great. Along with other games that we throw in there and from time things. to time. You know, yeah, it's whatever. And if you want to support our show, you can donate over on our website at theinnergamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast, videos, and streams even better. You can also join in on the conversation over on our Discord channel, so check out the show notes for that link. And as always, if you cannot contribute monetarily, please take the time to share this episode with a friend, family, loved one. The more eyes we get in front of our content, the faster we can grow, and it helps more than you know. So thank you for your continued support. I'm Austin Morales. I am Brayton Oski. And you've been listening to the Inner Gamer Podcast. We'll catch y'all next week. Podcast out. You know what? No, we're not out because, you know, gaming is just dropping left and right. There's so much to cover. We can't end the podcast. Okay, we'll end the podcast.